We are on air on Fan for Racing Radio for our Martinsville NASCAR Race Review and Hot Topics Sound Off. In our first half hour, we are going to be talking about some short track racing news. We'll also get into the ARCA Racing Series, all three of those series, and we'll update everybody on that. And then at 9 o'clock, we have a guest coming on board, Nick Sanchez from Rev Racing and the Driver Diversity Program is racing full-time in the Arkham Menard Series this season, and he's also racing a few select races in the NASCAR Xfinity Series with B.J. McLeod, so we'll talk to him about that. Uh, and then after that, we will get into, uh, I'm sorry, in the first half hour, we're also going to do the Truck Series review at Martinsville. That will happen before Nick Sanchez comes on. And then after he comes on, we'll do the Xfinity Series review at Martinsville. And at 9.30, our guest is David Coley. He's the spotter in the Southwest Touring Series uh, for Derek Thorne and Campbell Motorsports. So uh, I think he does a lot of uh, spotting for other drivers as well, uh, including in NASCAR. So uh, definitely looking forward uh, to getting to know David Coley at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Then after our interview with David, we'll get into the uh, Cup Series review at Martinsville. And we have a lot to talk about on our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off tonight with our fan for racing crew. I know Jay is coming on board, and I believe Andy is on board, and I'm hoping that either Owen or uh, Tommy Kraft will be able to come on and join us as well. So uh, with that, we're definitely looking forward to our show here tonight. Uh, Our co-host for tonight is Sal Segala. He's not here just yet, but I'm expecting him shortly. So uh, I'll look forward to hearing from Shell hopefully sometime soon here. Um, So uh, I'll go ahead and get started with some short track racing news uh, here in the first half hour. Uh, In Rev, uh, I'm sorry, I've got Rev racing on my mind right now. Um, We've got a lot to talk about here because. the Pepper Jack Kennels Twin uh, took place at Five Flags Speedway this past weekend, and uh, Derek Thorne and uh, Bubba Pollard uh, were some of the biggest winners in that race. Uh, that was in Pensacola at Five Flags Speedway. Thorne won the Zoom 100, and Pollard earned an SRX ride on June 18th. So uh, two big wins for both of those drivers. Uh, Derek Thorne, of course, uh, got some vindication while Bubba Potters, uh claimed a long-deserved opportunity to race under the national television spotlight in the SRX series. So uh, uh, if you haven't watched that yet, I believe there is a replay available at Racing America in case uh, – you haven't seen that race, you can tune in there and learn more about it. But uh, uh, this is one of the big races that Derek Thorne was racing uh, this season. He's venturing away from the West Coast and racing several races uh, in the East and the Midwest. 
uh, this season. So uh, this was one of those big events, and uh, it was really great to see Derek Thorne racing out there at Pensacola. Um, again, it's it's just really huge to see him uh, uh, reaching out. So because by virtue of his second and fourth place finishes across the twin 100s that took place uh, this weekend, Pollard was able to uh, claim uh, a spot in the Superstar Racing Experience local legend ride offered to the contender with the best average results this weekend. So he's going to be in the field when the SRX opens their season two, and that's on June 18th in Pensacola, Florida, again at Five Flight Speedway. So uh, really cool to see that for Bubble Pollard to be able to, uh, uh, you know, have that second place and fourth place finish in those two races, earning him that seat in the SRX. Uh, also, uh, it was kind of a topsy-turvy weekend, I guess, for Thorne, uh, but he leaves the Florida Gulf Coast with a more positive experience than how it was trending on Friday night. Uh, he wasn't even sure if they were going to finish the weekend. So they you know, pulled together and uh, made it happen. Uh, but Derek Thorne did the rest by charging through the field from an 18th starting position in order to win uh, that race. So he, he drove uh, to inside the top 10 by lap 20, and he was inside the top five by the halfway mark. Hunter Robbins led every lap from the pole until Thorne drove by him in turn three. And uh, with three and three and four, I think that should be, with nine laps to go. Uh, the runner-up continues a strong start for Ronnie Sanders Racing Bunch in the Deep South. Uh, so that's for Hunter Robbins. So uh, really exciting racing out at uh, Five Flags Speedway, as it always is. And Sal is here now. I'm sure he's got something to say about that. So, um, Sal, you're in, the, you're in the queue now. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, sir. I'm sorry if you had to wait for a while there. Um, oh, no, no, not fine. Not fine. Okay. So uh, Derek Thorne uh, won. Uh, one of the twin races out at Pensacola this week, and then Bubba Pollard gets that seat in the SRX at Pensacola in June. Yes, it was a uh, – actually, I, I watched it. and uh, I'll, I'll let you finish because right now there's a lot of stuff going on, and I don't, I don't even want to talk about it. A lot of controversy. Oh. And um, I'm, I'm going to say something that, that's not going to be right, and um, there's just a lot of – garbage going on on Facebook and social media. I should have stayed away, but of course I can't because of the position that I hold as a media member. And you, you, uh, you continue to talk. I, 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 I seen both races and, um, okay. and, uh, I just, and it's just, it, 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 it's gotten real, it's gotten real ugly for Derek. And, um, and, and it's sad because the, the team owner Chandler, Donnie, Donnie Smith came out and, and, and talked a lot of garbage and, talking about you know it was it, it's nasty it's dirty right now and i just i just don't want to get involved we're gonna have david cooley on later on and i told david we're not going to talk about the race it he's Derek's um, spotter we're going to talk about what cooley does as as, as a spotter and how he got started you know spotting i, right, I tried right. calling you earlier you know you know you know kind of give you a little rundown 
because I don't want to yeah, get David involved in it because David was there first. No, it's okay because David was there firsthand, and he, he's Derek's okay. spotter, so he knows everything that happened. So it's just oh, right okay. now it's just best that I don't, you know, I don't want to. So I'll, I'll just I'll just wait. It, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll just really? wait until we continue the show, and then I'll butt in. Oh, okay. Then I'll get him. Well, I did think it was impressive that Derek Thurn started 18th and was able to come up with that win uh, in that race. So that part of it was impressive, uh, and I'm happy for Derek Thorne. I As you know, I'm really excited that he's coming out east here to win or to race in some of these races. Uh, but uh, anyway, we can move on to some of the other racing that took place, but I knew that was a big race. Uh, this past weekend that I wanted to get into. Do you have any other races you want to talk about on the short track side, Phil? No, you know what? I, I missed my Urendale race this week. And, um, gosh, it was short and gone because um, um, Tim Huddleston's son, Tanner, won his first, um, it's uh, it's called a, a speculate is what it's called, mm-hmm. uh, division. So now um, Tim... Trevor and his son Tanner all have wins at Orendale Speedway. And it was on a oh, night that Trevor, Trevor also won. And I wasn't there to do no victory lane photos. <laughs> I had to work Saturday night, so I was kind of bummed. But I was just so happy, you know, to see, you know, you know Tanner Huddleston, you know, get his first win. And, you know, it was just, it was, oh, my gosh. I mean, just reading the, the, the social media, it was, and this is only a second race. Wow, that's fantastic. I'm real happy for him. Um, now, over at Flow Racing, there's also a lot of takeaways from the races that took place over there uh, this weekend as well. Uh, you know, we're, we're always bringing drivers uh, from Irwindale Speedway. We'll have to get Tanner on the show. We've had, we've had Tim Huddleston and we've had Trevor on the show. So I guess uh, Tanner's next on the docket, right? Yeah, well, we we get him on. He's he's uh he's done some racing, and um and he's also uh he's also uh um done some video with low budget TV, which we had Tommy Mason on the show. Yes, remember? Mm-hmm. And um and he and and that's and I think that's who we um and I think that's who we uh who uh. Well, I, I, actually, he had started. He he raced a bando race, and then um, and then from there, then he went into, uh, you know, then he went into video with with Tommy and Jeffrey and low budget TV, and then he then he just got into racing out at the beginning of the season. So it, it, it's it's going to be a real inter- interesting. Um, uh, it's going to be a real interesting conversation. Yes, I'm sure it will be. Uh, okay, so uh, there's a lot. Uh, uh, at both Racing America, as far as highlights from all the racing that took place there, there's also highlights available at Flow Racing of all the events that took place over the weekend. Uh, you've got the Sizzler Shorts uh, from Stafford Speedway, highlights from the ARCA CRA Super Series at Anderson, uh, from the Blizzard Series, Race 2 at High Flag Speedway, uh, and the CRA Super Series at Anderson, uh, that there's all kinds of highlights if you remember over at Racing America. And then at Flow Racing, uh, they've got, like I said, takeaways from Meridian. They have their season opener, same at All American. 
the All-Star Circuit of Champions driver's roster is up uh, over at Flow Sports. They've got the takeaways from the Langley Speedway opening night. Uh, so, yeah, there's just so much going on. Oh, and for Kyle Larson's series that's going to be racing, did you hear that Clint Boyer is going to be the race announcer? Clint Boyer is going to be the race announcer for Kyle Larson's yes. race. Oh, yeah. my God. Well, he's doing that. That's going to be good. Yes. That's going to be really good. Uh, that's going to be awesome. to hear that news. So, yeah, that's going to be really awesome to see. Uh, so if you haven't already, uh, we'll keep you posted on when that race is coming up. But uh, that was just really big news and uh, really excited to bring that here. Uh, let me see if I can find out exactly when that race takes place. Um, um, <clears throat> let me just see here. Well, I guess well, I can't put my on hands quick, on it. You know, on, Go a, ahead. On, on a quick note, on a quick note, for all you racing fans that want to watch some short track racing, I would highly recommend going to Racing America or American Race, yeah, yeah, Racing America, and getting their subscription. That's that's where yeah. I was able to watch the, the race from Five Flags. They show a lot more short tracks, a lot more of the, of the short track racing from back east, central, and all that than what Flow Racing shows. I mean, they they're kind of they're kind of mixed in, but I, I think Flow does a little bit more dirt racing. But um, mm-hmm. uh, Racing America, I, I I got the subscription over the weekend to watch this race, and they had a lot of. Uh, if you really want to see a lot of short track racing for different tracks, they have their schedule is um was really really looks really good. So they're really doing a good job with it. Exactly, we all know that being at the track is the best thing. But you can't be all over the country to be at all of these races. So being able to watch all of them on Racing America, Flow Sport Racing, MAV TV, um, uh, Spears TV, uh, the SLL TV, the low-budget TV. There's so many streaming avenues right now to be able to see racing from all over the country. And Racing America does such a great job. So, yeah, I agree. So. I highly recommend it. Okay, I cannot put my hands on uh, Kyle race, Kyle's uh, race that's uh, coming up here. But uh, I know that he um, is really starting his own, uh, like, feature race, uh, like what Eldora did a few years ago. And um, I think it's going to be really huge uh, for – for um, for Kyle Larson in particular because it's it, it, he's kind of the man behind it, if you will. And uh, to have Clint Boyer being the one on the streaming service to be announcing that race, I think is going to be fantastic. Okay, so let's go ahead now to Sal uh, and move over to the Arkham Menard series. There's so many great articles uh, that are up over there. Um, Tickets, this this is where you find out when the tickets come on sale. There's a great article about Jeff McClure carving out a career for himself in the Arkham Knight series uh, from journeyman to team owner. 
So I'd highly recommend that uh, for people to read. We've been talking about Parker Retzlaff. Sal, we had him on the show uh, a week or so ago, and uh, he had a top ten finish uh, in the Xfinity series right after that. Uh, it, there's, there's just so many drivers that come out of this Arkham series. It's really worth it to, to kind of get to know these guys from the Arkham Arkham series. Yeah, you know what? I was, and I was just about to say the same thing. You know, you know, you talked about the, you know, about Parker Retzlaff. You know, getting getting that win. Um, you know, uh, you know, it was it was awesome. I mean, <laughs> that, well, that was, it was a that win was for great, him. Getting really, a top it was great ten. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it really was great stuff. I think he impressed people out of Phoenix. But then, you know, every time he's been on the track, he's really been impressive uh, to a lot of people. Phoenix was his first race, uh, and then he got that top ten in the Xfinity Series uh, at Richmond. And he was in the race again this weekend out at uh, uh, out at Martinsville. So he's getting some really good experience in the Xfinity Series this season. Yeah, you know, it's Xfinity, it's, it, you know, I, I know we're going to talk about Xfinity later on, but just real quick, I mean, it, 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 it's amazing. We always talk about the trucks, but the Xfinity lately has been having some, some really good racing and, and the drivers that have been performing in, in the, you know, yeah. the series itself, you know, it's just, it, it's, <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't know what's going on with NASCAR this year. But it seems like all three series are all gelling together again, and we're we're seeing a lot of different names, a lot of different drivers, and we're seeing a lot of different, um, you know, good finishes from different people, and um, you know, it's it's just it, it's great. It's great for the fans, and you know, on anybody that was putting down NASCAR, including myself, I was one of them. I admit, but this year, man, the racing has been good throughout the board. Arca. <laughs> You name it. It's it's been. We've, we've, yeah, I know. I don't. I don't. I I don't know. I, and it's funny because we only got the the car. The only we only got the new car for the for the Cup Series. Oh know? wow! And um, you know, but but yet you know we're seeing good racing. You know, all the way around, all the way around the block. And um, you know, it, it's it's good for it's good for NASCAR and it's good for um, you know, it's good for the sport. You know, and it's and it's good for the younger generation that are coming up to all these short tracks, you know, like all the racing you talked, all we've been talking about, you know, all the short track racing, you know, sure. We got a lot of older guys in there, but, but there's a lot of uh, young guys that are coming up, you know what? And, and they're looking That's at, right. you know, wanting to get there. All the ones I've talked to, they want to get there. And before it was like, eh, you know, I don't know too much, but, but now they're really, um, they're really uh, all gung ho for it. Yeah, they really are, and uh, I tell you, this has just been uh, uh, fantastic. As you know, we've kind of followed um, followed all of this when it was Canon Pro Series, and now it's the Arkham Menard Series, uh, and we've seen a lot of drivers come up through the ranks right into NASCAR's top three, and so many of them are now Cup Series drivers, so um, it's really, really amazing to watch their careers progress. Uh, now, the next race is here in the Arkham Menard Series. It is coming up on April the 23rd. Uh, two races, two series, 
and uh, two different tracks on April the 23rd. The first one will be at noon central, 1 o'clock eastern, the General Tire 200 at Talladega Super Speedway, and uh, that's going to be televised on Fox Sports 1. The next one, Sal, is out in your neck of the woods at Kern County Raceway, uh, the Kern County 150 at 7 p.m. Pacific time, that's 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, and that's going to be live through on Flow Racing. So a couple of big races in the Alcum Menard Series coming up on the 23rd. Two different parts of the country. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know what else is deep, too, is that uh, instead of just running the Arc of an Art Series by itself, the SRL joined in, and they're going to run their prolates with the, uh, with the Arc of an Art Series over at Kern County Raceway. So we're going to have two races, and uh, the, the, um, uh, the, um, the Spirit SRL Southwest Tour prolate models, that's also going to be, you know, it's going to be one of their point races. So um, they're going to be joining the Arkham and Art Series West. So we're we're gonna we're gonna there's gonna be two good there's gonna be two good shows up at up at Kern, and um and yes, don't even ask me I'm I am gonna be there. <laughs> Kern and Erndo <laughs> show my track that I don't miss. So yeah, I mean They're I'm already out there. Oh yeah, I mean I'll, I'll I'll make the two hour drive over there you know to see both of them, and um, I'm so looking forward to uh, to see some good racing from the. Especially the Arkham and Art series, you know, yeah, Dark and Art series. The, you know, it, it's it's wide open anymore, you know, and uh, you know, we see what happened yeah, yeah. last race, you know, when um when when Tyler Rife, you know, took the checkered mm-hmm. and um, you know, was only at uh, the second. It's only a second start, yeah. So that was pretty cool. Uh, there's fantastic racing, and we had Tanner Rife, right? Tanner Rife, yeah. I, I, I don't want you know why I said yeah. Tanner because I just um um I was I was sending an email over to a friend that needed his, his motorcycle detailed and his younger brother Tyler oh. does that stuff. Yeah, so I was like, mm. okay, let me see what I do here. Well, I almost said Tyler and I'm like, No, it's not Tyler. Um Yeah, that's right, okay. it's Tanner. Well you well you know what it's funny because the whole family starts with a T. So you got Travis oh, okay. the dad, you got Tori the Tori the mom. Tanner, the older brother, and Tyler, the younger brother. Wow. Okay, yeah. well, let's uh, go ahead and move on to the Arkham and Art Series East. Uh, their race is coming up the following weekend, April the 29th, 5.30 p.m. Eastern at Dover Motor Speedway, the General Tire 150, and that also will be live-streamed on Flow Racing. So fans will be able to see that race. Uh, if you're a member at Flow Racing, and again, I highly recommend it so that you can see these races as they happen uh, with the live streaming. Now, the next Sioux Chief Showdown event is going to be the Iowa 150 on June the 11th at 8 p.m. Central. That's 9 p.m. Eastern at Iowa Speedway, and that race is going to be available on MAV TV. Now, I signed up for MAV TV, MAV TV Plus. Uh, and that allows me to do the live streaming through my local device, and uh, I can I'm able to watch that race as well. So uh, that's another avenue for you to catch a lot of these races is through Mav TV Plus. So just so many opportunities here uh, to watch some fantastic racing coming up. 
Yeah, it's 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 um you know we we you know we got a good schedule coming up. You know, of course we have our Easter weekend this weekend. You know, and uh and then you know after and that. And it's kind you know, of unusual we'll, that we're racing on Easter weekend, but there, there yeah, are we never this weekend. I thought so too because we never um we never uh we never uh have a a race on um a show. on uh on on Easter weekend, yeah, because we never have a show on the Monday after. And I was all yeah, excited, okay, we get a Monday off, you know what? But <laughs> not this week. Okay. Well there you go there you uh, no short track racing for us, so that, that keeps me out of the loop. No, I want to make sure we also cover the uh, truck series race now because uh, they raced on Thursday last week, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, they raced 200 laps over there at Martinsville Speedway. And William Byron won that Blue Emu 200 in the truck series under the lights on Thursday night. The win was Byron's first in the truck series since 2016, the first in Martinsville, and the eighth of his career. It marked his first win for more fire motorsports as well. Uh, the team expanded his program to the truck series just this season. So for uh, William Byron, uh, it was his eighth victory in 26 Camping World 20, uh, Truck Series races, his first victory and first top 10 finish this year, and his first victory and third top 10 finish in three races at Martinville. Johnny Sauter came in second, posting his 15th captain finish in 27 races at Martinsville Speedway. And it's his first top 10 finish in this season. He's racing part-time. Kyle Bush finished third, again, uh, racing part-time in the truck series. He was his eighth top 10 finish in 11 races at Martinsville. Wallace Allen was the highest finishing rookie of the race. He finished 20th. Uh, in that race. Uh, behind Kyle Bush was John Hunter Nemechek um, in fourth place, and Ben Rhodes, who won stage two, finished in fifth. Then it was Chandler Smith, Matt Kraft, and Grat Infinger uh, claiming the spot six through eight. Uh, Zane Smith uh, started from the pole after Rain knocked out the lone practice and qualifying section. He won stage one and finished in ninth place. And then Tyler Ankrum closes out the top ten. There were nine lead changes among six drivers, 11 cautions for, set, cautions for 71 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race, 58.662 miles per hour. Your thoughts on that top ten? Real quick, Sal, because we're coming up two minutes to our game. Uh, what, why don't I have you go to the driver's points first so we get the points in? Sal, are you still there? Yes, you want to do the Sal, points first? Name. Yeah, go yeah, ahead and do the points first because we're running out of time. Okay. All right, so the points, we got Ben Rhodes leading. Um, Chandler Smith second, Zane Smith third, while wow, he dropped. Um, Stuart Friesen fourth, John Nemechek rounds out the top five, and then from there we go to Christian Eckes, um, Tanner Gray, Tommy Jeske eighth, Matt Crafton ninth, and Tyler Hagram in tenth. And what about this one? Uh, where we oh Derek Krause is only one point, while Matt Crafton and Tyler are tied for that spot. But then you got Derek Krause. 
sitting in the 11th spot. He's he's been really really impressive so far this season. I mean, I don't think he's ever been this high in the I points agree. since he's since he's started racing for uh, um, for uh, Bill McAnally Racing. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, man, what about that Kyle Busch? He just can't, just can't seem to get that truck win this year. And um, after dominating for so many years, you know, and this just shows, you know, that the talent, you know, level that's running the trucks this year, you know, it's, you know, it's just really, it's just really amazing. It is amazing. I've got to say, having Kyle Busch run that series, I think is part of the reason why the talent level has elevated itself in the truck series. Uh, it's exciting to watch. It really is. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest next. He's coming up here uh, at 9 o'clock Eastern time. We have Nick Sanchez, the Rev Racing driver uh, and part of the Drive for Diversity program with NASCAR. And he's like a long-standing, I think this might be his fourth or fifth year uh, with Rev Racing. He's racing full-time in the Arkham and Art Series and a few select races in the Xfinity Series with B.J. McLeod Motorsports. Uh, so last year, I believe he came home third in the Arkham and Art Series point standings. He has nine top five at 13 top tens, and he earned his first victory in the Arkham and Art Series in the season finale at Kansas Speedway last year. So um, we've had Nick on the show before, so it's a pleasure to bring him back and uh, say welcome. So thanks for being available, Nick. We appreciate it. No, of course. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Uh, so uh, you're driving full-time in the Arkham Arts Series. I think right now um, uh, you've had a couple of races in. What are your thoughts about the Arkham Arts Series this season as you set your goals for the season? Yeah, you know, we're still very early on in the year. and You know, we haven't exactly had the best start. Um, but, but, you know, it's obviously when you look at last year, you know, we started off the season uh, Daytona and Phoenix DNFs, and, you know, we have zero of those um, on our results uh, for this year. So it's been a slow start, but I, I have business to pick up here shortly. But, yeah, you know, um happy that, you know, my Rev Racing uh, Max Eagle team, um, happy with the you know, the gains we made throughout the off season, I feel like we're in a much better position to hit the ground running this year. Um, and yeah, no, looking forward to the rest of the year. Okay. Yeah. You really, um, you really are not as bad as maybe you think you are. I know you, you want it to be better, uh, but you're only 23 points back from the lead at this point, uh, and you're fifth in the series point standings. So, um, uh, the average finish or average start, let me look at, yeah, um, your average uh, start is not bad when you consider that Daniel Dye, who's in first place, is at 10th uh, average start, and yours is 13.5. So, you know, getting that average start uh, at, in, in the qualifying uh, could really help out. Yeah, you know, obviously. <laughs> I feel like at this point, um, you know, wins, that's that's what excites me. But, yeah, you know, we had we had a flat at Daytona that kind of hindered us there. And, you know, Phoenix, obviously, we finished seventh. But, you know, it, at the end of the day, when you're disappointed about a seventh, you, you know, you're heading in the right direction. Um, so, yeah, you know, I feel like we have some really strong tracks uh, for us coming up um, with uh, Talladega, Kansas, and Charlotte. 
And yeah, you know, I mean, really you look at the rest of the schedule and I'd say 99% of the races, we ran really good last year. So um, still a lot of racing to go with 18 races uh, on the schedule. Um, and yeah, looking forward to each and every one. Now, now what are you doing in between the races? Cause this part of the season is kind of slow. I know you're racing part-time in the Xfinity series, um, and, and you've had some races in the Xfinity series already this season. Uh, and this is the first season that I think you've raced in the Xfinity series. Uh, are there any other series that you're racing in? Are you doing any iRacing? Um, yeah, you know, I don't really do iRacing too much, but uh, other than the ARCA and the Xfinity stuff, um, I really don't race in any other series. And, you know, with the way my, with the way I scheduled for this year, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't really race anything, um, Xfinity or ARCA between Phoenix and, uh, next week's Talladega race. Um, really, you know, the bulk of my Xfinity schedule, um, is in the later parts of the summer. Um, so, uh, yeah, a lot of downtime and, you know, I, I feel like our season really gets started once we get to Kansas and then everything is kind of compressed, but yeah, a lot, a lot of sitting around and waiting, um, until that point. Oh, okay. And then uh, Talladega, I know you've got to be looking forward to that race. Uh, you're really good on the super speedway. And uh, what do you account for that? Why do you think you're so good on the speedway? Super I mean, speedway. I, honestly, uh, super speedways, at least in the ARCA series, I feel like it's 99% car. Um, you know, my team does a really good job at uh, sticking to the basics and making it work on the super speedways. And I feel like, honestly, the biggest uh, – the biggest struggle we've had is starting position. You know, um, the last two super speedways, Daytona and Talladega, we've set the fastest lap of the race. Um, so obviously our car has speed. Um, but, you know, you look at where we started the last two. Um, last Talladega, we started 22nd. In Daytona, we started 18th. So, um, you know, the way they qualify in the ARCA hasn't really been favorable to uh, our rev team. Um, but, you know, at Talladega, we are starting fourth off of uh, 2021 owner's points. So I feel like this is going to be the first time we're going to be able to get aggressive from the start. Um, and, and I really look forward to starting up front uh, for once at one of these plate tracks. Okay, that is exciting. Okay, we have Sal Segala here, and I know he had some questions for you as well, Nick. So I'm going to uh, pass the mic over to Sal. Hey, how you doing, Nick? Um, welcome back to the show. Appreciate it. So it seems like uh, – you know, for you know, just um, listening to you, you know, yours and Sharon's conversation, she always has a lot of good questions. Of course, she usually takes a few of mine, but that's okay, just as long as they're <laughs> asked. But <laughs> sorry about that. How? How? That's uh, all right. You know, it's all good. But anyways, um, how how is your transition coming? You know, you know, working with the with the um, with the Rev Racing program because I know we've had. We've always tried to get, you know, a lot of the Rev Racing program drivers on here, you know, and talk, you know, talk about, you know, what the program is like. But mostly, you know, the the transition coming from, you know, all the teaching that they teach you guys into actually getting into, you know, the the cars, you know, and, and you know, and, and in the public's eye. Yeah, you know, obviously the transition, um, you know, it's not as great as people think because they do such a good job at making sure it's seamless um, in between uh, programs. But, yeah, you know, you, you, I've definitely developed a lot with the team, all the way from Legend Cars um, through Late Models and the ARCA, and now with another team in Xfinity. So um, it's, it's definitely working, and they do a great uh, job developing from the driver standpoint and also the media standpoint. So the 
the difference in your opinion from the Arca car to the Xfinity car, of course, you know, we know the you know, Xfinity is a little bit quicker, but like like hard like the handling characteristics, you know, since you know, you guys race at different tracks and you know, the cars are so much different. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest, the the Arca car feels faster just because of the downforce and you know, at, at Phoenix my my qualifying lap in the Arca car is a second faster than my Xfinity qualifying lap, which most people don't see that. Um, but honestly, um, it, it almost felt like I was going back to my late model route in the Xfinity car with the bump stops and kind of the way the tires uh, fell off. Um, it, it kind of felt like I was driving a late model, um, which was nice because I love those. Um, but yeah, you know, people people think it, it, it's not as big of a difference as people as people think. You know, the biggest thing for me or the tracks, you know, getting, getting acclimated to the tracks. Um, but obviously, you know, Phoenix is a mile track. You use a lot of brake. Um, we'll see when I, once I get to a mile and a half um, with a low downforce Xfinity car, what it feels like. And obviously you're going to be carrying a lot more top speed at the end of the straights. So I'll, I'll report back then. <laughs> so, you know, one, one thing, one, you know, one thing I've, I've talked with, you know, some of the local drivers and stuff, you know, that are racing, you know, like the Arco, they're wasting like the Arco West series, you know, is that it's an arc opened up for the, I don't, I, don't, I think West and East, they opened up the, um, you know, the, the Friday practice sessions, which we used to have back in the past, but then when COVID came, they kind of got rid of, you know, they didn't have them, you know, then, you know, they, they you know, the whole structure just kind of changed, but now, you know, it seems like, you know, NASCAR starting to open up, you know, with more practice sessions, you know, as far as, you know, on the Arca side, I, I know on the NASCAR side, they're still kind of, you know, holding back, you know, on having the, you know, the full Friday um, practice sessions. Yeah, you know, obviously ARCA, out of the other three series, ARCA definitely has the longest practices, um, which, you know, it, it could help and it could hurt. You know, it gives maybe the Ventrinis or the or the Gibbs teams a little bit more time to develop their car, um, but it also gives us enough seat time to get acclimated on the track. Um, and that really helped me last year with, pretty much going to all new tracks, you know, this year, not so much, um, because I have experience. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it is nice that I get some added, added track time, um, opposed to the other three series. So with all this race you're doing between, between ARCA and, and Xfinity, um, is there any time in between there, you know, to get back in your, in your late model and, uh, you know, and hit some of, you know, these, you know, some of these other races, you know, these, you know, what we, what we call, you know, the big money races. Yeah, you know, I would love to, but at the moment, this year at least, I don't really have any plans. But never say never, and, you know, I always love I always love late model racing. You know, it's, it's something that taught me, you know, everything I know right now. So, you know, obviously if I have the chance to get back in get back in a car like that, um, I'll definitely take it. Yeah, because, you know, and actually, because I'm out here on the West Coast, but what I'm noticing more is, you know, like the East Coast, you know, they started, you know, focusing – you know, first the focus was on the on the super late models, but I noticed this year, you know, they're starting to put a little bit more focus on the pro late. You know, and I don't know one of the reasons why is because the of course the fueling up, we're having problems with the Hoosier tires, and the fact you know that the that the pro late you know a little bit more while they're a lot more economical to race than, than a super late model, and we're seeing some really good um some really good racing with the pro lates. And one of the things was out here at the All-Star Showdown that we had in, at uh, at Oregon Speedo, we had, they started um, 37 prolates, you know. So, I mean, you know, that, that was a, you know, that was a big field, you know, for a, for a half-mile track. 
yeah, you know, it's definitely cool. I think you kind of see it everywhere, like even with all the shortages and tires and fuel prices. Um, a lot of the bigger name drivers in the Cup Series are, you know, going back to their routes, whether it be on dirt or asphalt. So that's that's always cool to see them, and I feel like it it helps the sport. You know, it attracts more fans to those uh, to those series, and you know, uh, gets money more money behind the next generation of drivers coming from that series. You know, and actually that's what we need because, you know, like when me and Sharon were talking earlier, you know, that you know we see from from what I've seen from years ago to what I see today, the drivers that are coming into like the pro lates, you know, they, of course, you know, we, you know, they have the junior late model programs, you know, around the country. I know out here in Madera, we have a big junior late model program, but we're starting to see the drivers, you know, started a, a lot more younger age, you know, 12, 13 years old, you know, getting behind the wheel of a, you know, of, of, of a, um, of a pro late. Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I, I don't have too much experience, at least, you know, watching pro, uh, junior late models and stuff like that but i do know obviously you know you know now 12 13 year olds are getting pro and supers like you just said so uh obviously you know at that point you know development starts a lot younger and you know you're probably gonna have more of an influx into uh, big cars versus cars like legend cars or even junior late models yeah and with that nick you know i I just want to say uh you know um uh best of luck you know the rest of the season you know hopefully you know you know you can get a couple wins, you know, we'll get you back on here. And with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. I appreciate it. Okay. Now, you're also racing uh, several races with B.J. McLeod Motorsports in the Xfinity Series this season. Uh, and as I mentioned, I know you've been in a couple already this season. When's your next race with them in the Xfinity Series? Yeah, you know, my next race will actually be Charlotte. Um, I believe it's May 28th really looking forward to that track. It's a track I really like. And, you know, obviously one, I'll get to drive the day before in the ARCA car. So, uh, you know, kind of pulling double duty there. Oh, that'll be, that'll be really great. You get to do a double, <laughs> a double over the weekend. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, uh, you've been with drive, you've been with Rev Racing now for probably five years. And, um, you're kind of a leader there now in the Drive for Diversity program with Rev Racing. Uh, how does that? Uh, how do you feel about that? And uh, are, does that give you kind of a? Do you, do you, does that allow you to take a lead role when they do the combine with you? Yeah, I, I feel like you know the complexity of the Drive Diversity has kind of changed throughout the year to where, you know, they no longer you know, they no longer really take you and put you in an ARCA car or a K&N car. You know, they really try to build you from um, legend cars. So, um, obviously, a lot of the drivers, um, a lot of the drivers in the program I've known for three, four years. Um, and, you know, even though, obviously, I look as myself, I guess people look at look up to me in the program as a leader. Um, you know, we, at least me and Raja, you know, we, we treat each other as equal. Um, you know, I have a little mm-hmm. more experience, but, you know, we're both running Xfinity races, you know, we both feed off of each other. So, uh, do our thing. And, you know, obviously, um, there's massive amounts of development going on within the program. Um, so it's, it's really cool to see that pan out. Yeah, that is, that has to be uh, very interesting to watch that, uh, as you progress through the program as well. And, and I know driver diversity has been so much for you as a driver. Uh, what would you, 
give as advice to anybody who wants to come up through the Gladbrook Adversity Program in the future? Yeah, obviously it's a, it's a great program that really immerses you into the sport like no other, and it really gives people um, an opportunity uh, to make it in the sport. Um, you know, obviously everyone knows funding is a big a big thing, probably the biggest thing in racing, and you know they, they that is the number one component they give you, and you know all the other stuff um, is just added benefit. Um, but yeah, you know it, it really is a great program, and it, you know I feel like people like me and Raja and even you know former alumni like uh, Kyle Larson, Bob Wallace, and Suarez are, you know, reasons why it works, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, uh, uh, Nick, I want to make sure, too, you mentioned Raja. I almost called you Raja. Um, I just want to make sure that uh, you get a chance to do a shout-out here as we close out and uh, let fans know how they can follow you. Yeah, you know, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, both at, at Nick Sanchez 80 Okay. All right. Anybody you want to shout out to? Yeah, obviously my team Rev Racing and, you know, our owner Max Eagle for all he's done for me. Okay, absolutely. He's He's been a part of the program for a long time and has done a lot to help a lot of drivers. So, uh, Nick, congratulations to you on your tenure there at Rev Racing and on your racing so far this season. Uh, we hope to talk to you somewhere throughout the season and, uh, you know, have you come back and chat with us again. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. Okay. Take care, Nick. And good luck at your, in your upcoming races. All right, that was Nick Sanchez with Rev Racing and, and NASCAR's Drive for Diversity program. He always does such a great job. And, uh, Sal, I know we've got to get into the Xfinity Series race uh, as well. So um, any any quick thoughts before we move on? Yeah, you know what, these – these um, all these drivers that have come from the Drive for Diversity, they are just so well schooled, you know. The they program are. is so well rounded. You know what? It's I mean, you know everything they teach them. You know all the way from it's it's not just all about racing the cars. You know what? It's 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 teaching them how to deal with the media. You know how to um, you know uh, you do interviews. You know like this. You know how to you know how to act when the media approaches them. But more than that, you know what, it's, it's, it's hands-on, you know, teaching them a little bit about the car, you know, um, you know, how to present themselves, how to find sponsorship. You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes, you know, before they actually get the kind of wheel that comes to racing part. But, um, you know, and, and it shows, I mean, on, on each and every rare racing driver we've had on it. And, you know, we really got to thank um, uh, Max Siegel, you know, and, and his, and his yeah. PR team, you know, for allowing us to have all – yeah, Chris, you have to allow us to have all these drivers on because it seems like at the drop of a hat, you know, they're willing to let them come on the show, you know. And for my, my side, I just want to say, you know, thanks, you know, for, you know, for, um, you know, for all these opportunities that we have with them. Yeah, we had Nick on tonight. On Thursday night, we're going to have Roger Carruth uh, come on at 9 o'clock uh, to talk with us uh, as the, part of our preview show. So uh, definitely just looking forward. Uh, and then Monday night, Sal, we have Amber Balcane uh, coming on the show. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. She, she used to run for um, 
for Bill for uh, Bill McAnally. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely so, looking forward to that. Okay, we're going to move on to the uh, Xfinity series. What a race that was. A lot of excitement. Brandon Jones snatches the victory from Ty Gibbs on the final lap. And on older tires, Brandon Jones stole an Xfinity Series win from the scion of the owner, uh, the race, his race team on Saturday night at Martinsville Speedway. Making a last lap pass, Brandon Jones snapped a 50-race winless streak by winning Friday night's call. 811 before you did 250 at Martinsville. It was Jones' fifth career victory, uh, finishing a career best second, uh, was Landing Castle. And uh, before I go into that, I want to also mention uh, Brandon Jones is just 25, uh, racing with Joe Gibbs Racing in that number 19. His crew chief is Jeff Meandering. Uh, it was his fifth victory in 211. Xfinity Series races, his first victory in fourth top ten finish this year, and his first victory in fourth top ten finish in four races at Martinsville. Landon Castle finished second, uh, hosting his first top ten finish in three races at Martinsville, and his fourth top ten finish this year. AJ Almendinger in third posted his second top ten finish in four races at Martinsville, and Austin Hill in fourth was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Now, uh, to round out the rest of the finishers, Sam Mayer actually did come home with the top 10 finish. Then it was Riley Earps, Truex, Ty Gibbs, who led a race high 197 laps and was leading at the right, right flag when all you know what broke loose. And then Ryan Sieg and Jeremy Clements uh, round out the rest of the top 10. Ty Gibbs won both stages, giving him three stage victories for the season. There were 12 lead changes among seven drivers and 16 cautions for 100 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race, 56.099 miles per hour. Your thoughts about those uh, top 10 drivers? So. Oh, man, that finish, I, I, I know what you want to say, <laughs> basically. Man, all all hell broke loose on that on that last lap, you know, and and everybody was into each other. It was that was really some good racing, you know. What I didn't see anything wrong with it. I don't know why. Ty Ty was just kind of upset for because he got out raced, but Brandon Jones, you know, he deserved that win. You know, he worked hard for it. Um, it was neat he to did. see Landon Castle. Yeah, and it was neat to see Landon Castle get that second-place finish. Gosh, we haven't seen him up in the top ten, and actually in the top three, and I, and I don't know how long. And I know back in the day when we first started the show, we used to, have, we used to get him on a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he kind of disappeared from the scene for a little bit, and then he came back, you know, to racing. But what about Austin Hill? I mean, gosh, a fourth-place finish. This rookie He's is really showing. Season. He is having an awesome season. I mean, this kid is just came from the trucks was good in the trucks, should have had a couple championships, but now here he is in the Xfinity Series, and he's picking up where he left off. And, I mean, he is just really having some really good, solid finishes. I mean, he is basically, I mean, when you talk about Rookie of the Year, he's basically got it already locked up, and the season ain't even a fourth of the way over yet. 
Oh, I know. That margin of victory was 0.677 seconds. Uh, a lot of people were wondering, Sal, uh, how Ty Gibbs could react if he got the same treatment as what he's kind of been given uh, to win a lot of these races. And let's keep in mind, this this rivalry, if you will, between Sam Mayer and Ty Gibbs is not anything new. We've watched this rivalry uh, through the Arkham Menard series for the last couple of years as well. So uh, uh, it, it's been a long time coming uh, as far as a boiling point, and it certainly did boil over at Martinsville Speedway this past weekend. Yes, it did. You know, like you said, you know, it has been going out through the Arkham series, you know, the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, as far as, you know, what happened after, you know, it, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you know, I know there was a lot of stuff said, you know, that Ty should have taken out his helmet and whatever, you know, but, you know, when you're in the heat of the moment, I mean, you know, who knows what was going through. A lot of adrenaline. I, I just don't, a lot of adrenaline, but I just think that for the, for the racer that Ty Gibbs has been portraying himself in victory lane, the way he acted by, because he got beat and, you know, and he didn't like the way he got beat and the way he acted. You know what, I, I just, you, you kind of almost lose a little bit of respect for him because, you know mm-hmm. what, if you can dish it out, you got to learn to take it. But you know what, if you can't win, he's got to realize he can't win every race. And these races are going to happen where he's going to be leading and something's going to come up. He's not going to win. You know what, he's got to learn how to take his medicine. He's got to learn how to just, you know, calm down and, um, and uh, you know, and, and you know, Give, a, give an interview, you know, hey, I lost. You know what? It is what it is. It's racing. But, I mean, if mm-hmm. he keeps up like this, you know what? It, it's, it's, not, it's not good for his image. Yeah, we're going to talk about it in Hot Topics tonight, I've got a feeling. And uh, <laughs> there's going to be a lot to talk about there. Um, uh, there is a conflict between, you know, how he portrays himself when he wins and, and how, he, how he acted when he didn't, uh, when he got the same treatment. Uh, so yeah, th- th- I'm sure we'll be talking about that. So, uh, let's go ahead and hit the points report before we run out of time. You know, and what, and, and you got to give go a ahead. shout out to the 11th place finisher, Dale Hart Jr. Comes out of yeah. retirement just for this one race and of all races, Martinsville, you know, it's, it's not one of the races that we, we would, we would probably used to see him maybe at Talladega or, or at Daytona, you know, something, but you know, that, you know, Martinsville. that he feels more comfortable. Yeah. And he came out, you know, for Martinsville, you know, what brought, brought out, you know, his number 88 car brought out the old Hellman's, you know, yeah. uh, Chevrolet, you, you know, what, and, and, and a lot of fans too. And, and if you notice after the race in social media, he was drinking beer with a lot of the drivers, you know, which was cool to see, you know, I mean, yep. he was, he was, ha- he was hamming it up with all the drivers, you know, he, he just didn't get out of the car and, and take off, you know, he hung around there in pit lane, you know what, and, and had some fun with all of them, you know what, and, and that was neat, you know, see and Dale Hart Jr. come out of the booth and go down I there and, the you know, race, and enjoy it. Was, yeah, I heard before the race, he was signing a lot of autographs, too. So anybody who wanted an autograph, from what I understood, got an autograph uh, from Dale Hart Jr. over the weekend as well. So that was pretty cool to see, too. Yeah, that was neat. I mean, it was really neat to see him get to get back in there. So now we go on to our driver's points. And mm-hmm. uh, leading the points is uh, A.J. Allmendinger. Um, second is Ty Gibbs. 
with uh, three wins. AJ with one. Third is Sinn, and third is Noah Gregson with one win. Fourth is Brandon Jones. He punched his ticket into the into the playoffs, so he's got his one win. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Berry in fifth, and Sam Mayer round out the top six since they take twelve into the um, into the playoffs. And then we go to seventh, which is Justin Algier. Eighth is Daniel Hamrick, who's been really silent this season. We really haven't heard much from him like we did last year. Um, yeah, he just kind of kind of buying his time. Team. Hopefully we could. Yeah, ho- hopefully we can see, you know, start seeing, you know, something, you know, s- you know, some more of the old da- Daniel Hammer from last year and the season before. Um, ninth is Ryan Sieg. Gosh, we 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 still need to work on a way and try and get him on the show. I think yeah, he'd be a really interesting fun. story. Still trying to do that. And then, and then tenth is uh, of course our rookie Austin Hill, the highest rookie in the in the field. Eleventh, Riley Herb still hold on to that eleventh spot. And Landon Castle sitting in the 12th spot. Uh, he looks like he's about f- uh, 15 points ahead of Anthony Alfredo for that on uh, the bubble spot. So um, yeah. Sheldon Creed is, is. You have to always give Sheldon Creed the mention. He's sitting 15th in points. He's our other uh, rookie of the year contender. So um, looks like it's um, AJ's back on his game again. You know. Um, you know, he actually he was though you forgot to mention he was the winner of the hundred thousand um, uh, dollar. That's right, the dash for uh, cash. The dash for cash, and uh, he was excited, and it, and it seemed like he was going to spread it amongst college racing. Three got it. He said, you know, he goes, this is for all the college boys. You know, you know when Noah won his, it was like this going in my pocket. But um, <laughs> when AJ, you know, he <laughs> said, you know, this, this is for all the college guys. That's why uh, that's why Sam Mayer and Ty Gibbs are racing because they were also racing for that dash for cash, but because they took each other out, AJ Allmendinger got it. Yep, and uh, he was he was he was excited to get it. He was looked like he was kind of shocked at first that he was kind of excited, but you know that's good for AJ. I mean, AJ, AJ has put his time in. You know, he's been through a lot through his you know throughout his career. You know with all the stuff that happened at Penske, you know, and, you know, losing his ride over there, you know, and then, you know, trying to find another, another ride, you know, finally, you know, finding a home here with colleague, you know, colleague taking a shot at him, you know, giving him the ride. And it's just, it's deep to see, you know, AGF back in the, you know, back in the, in the driver's seat again, you know. Okay. We've got a minute here, I think, before your guest comes on board. Uh, I'm gonna while you're giving him a build up here. I've got a couple people in the queue. I've got to figure out which one is our guest. So uh, <laughs> go ahead and do your introduction, Sal, and then I'll be back. Okay. Well, our, our next guest is is David Cooley. He's uh, um, he's a spotter for uh, Campbell Motorsports. Driver Derek Thorne. Um, Guy's been around a long time. He's got an interesting story. I've known David for, gosh, I don't know how many years now I've known him. Um, seen him spot for a lot of different drivers. Um, throughout our 10 years that me and Sharon have been doing this, we try to get somebody from, you know, that does it. Like we've had tire guys. We've had um, Jackman. We've had PR reps, you know. So we always try to get, you know, you know somebody, you know, from the we, – we even had a, a – a, an engine builder that worked with John Force Racing 
that that was one that helped John, you know, in between rounds build the motor. So we always try to, you know, um, you know, feed out, you know, um, basically um, around what, uh, you know, what, what the sport's all about. This way you can get a taste of, you know, what it's like from each, from each angle. So um, actually this is the first time we've had a spotter on the show, so it's going to be kind of neat, you know, to – kind of see what they do, what they go through up there and, um, you know, how, how they prep for the race because during the race, it's him and the driver that he's, he's the eyes for the driver. And, you know, and there's a lot of, I'm sure there's a lot of pressure yeah. up there, you know, especially when these big races come around. Yes. Yeah. Sharon, is he here? Are you here, David? Yeah, I'm on. Okay. I, I don't have to share, but anyways, our next guest is David Cooley from Cabo Motorsports. Uh, we were just kind of going over, you know, kind of, you know, what 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 you go through, what you see, and, you know, different things like that, you know, from being a spotter. Anyway, so we want to welcome you to the show. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you for having me on. So, just kind of general what what is what is the job of a, of a spotter you know during the race during the race weekend you know as you know of course you got practice you got qualifying and then you got the big race coming up at the end you know where all you guys are up there in the high 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 above the track looking down at the at the drivers well yeah at the end of the day uh, what it comes down to is uh, you're the eyes for the driver um, obviously the drivers cannot see a lot of what's going on. Um, so the, uh, communication between the, you and the driver is very important. Um, you know, during practice is also important, uh, just watching the attitude of the car, um, just kind of trying to give your input, trying to help the driver out on maybe some different lines that looks better from other, other cars that you're watching and just, uh, try to keep them updated with the best information as you can. So... How do you build this relationship? Because I know you and the driver, you have to have a good relationship because if you don't, the driver won't trust you. And in the same token, it's hard for you to give him information if you feel, you know, that he's not, you know, really, you know, like you guys are one and one with each other. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely uh, the more time you have with the driver and and being with the same driver every weekend definitely helps out with the communication, um, you know communicating off the racetrack, um, friends, just hanging out with each other, getting to know each other. And, you know, once you stick with the same driver, you get to know more of what the information they want. And, you know, you can keep supplying the correct information. Um, but, you know, once you start kind of jumping around to drivers, you know, some drivers obviously want different information. So it's just uh, more more important is to make sure you keep giving the communication that driver wants. So to keep it in with the same driver week in and week out is uh, always best. So how, how long have you been doing this for? Oh, man. Um, I've been doing it for, I'd say, about 15 years now. Um, I actually got uh, started when I was about 15. I uh, went to help a guy out here at Irwindale Speedway, and he said, hey, you're going to spot for me tonight. Have you ever done it before? And I said, no. So that's where it all started and been doing it ever since. About how many drivers would you say you spotted for in those 15 years? I know there's got to be a bunch, but like, like kind of give us like some of the bigger name drivers, you know, that you've helped out, you know, throughout their, 
throughout their careers. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, it's been a few different drivers. Um, helped out a lot of different drivers. Anywhere uh, got Riley Herbst, um, Ryan Vargas, Michael Self, Derek Thorne, Ryan Partridge. Um, those are some of the big names that I've helped out here locally at Irwindale Speedway and also have traveled across country to give help also to at other racetracks. So, you know, like you were just saying a minute ago, you know, each driver wants different, you know, they want different input, you know, as far as, you know, what they want to, what, what they want you to, to see on the track. How hard is it, especially when the race is going, you know, and, and you have to make that split second decision, you know, and tell a driver, you know, Hey, don't do this or don't do that. But yet maybe that was something that they had talked about that they don't want to hear. Um, I honestly, it's, uh, I like if I go and, you know, say I help out a new driver and I, I mean, I always tell them if, if I'm talking too much or giving it too much information, you always can tell me to shut up. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get upset, but, um, I've never had that happen. Um, I think the more information that you can give to the driver is better. Um, you know, as long as it's useful information, I think that's the most important. But um, obviously, I've been luck- lucky enough to work with Derek Thorne a lot lately. So we've been doing a lot of racing lately. So, I mean, he, the information given to him, I already know what he wants. And, you know, um, just started working recently with uh, Tanner Rice, um, getting to learn his what he likes, to, what he wants to hear. And, you know, obviously, he's a rookie, so he's taking in all the information. Um, you know, it's just a little bit different coming working with a rookie driver you know, and a more veteran driver, but the veteran driver that I'm working with obviously already know the information that he wants and the communication goes well. You know, there's one thing a lot of people don't realize is that you guys are up there in that stand and whether it's raining, whether it's cold, whether it's 150 degrees, whether it's 150 degrees and there's 80% humidity, <laughs> how do you deal with it? from race to race and then especially the length of the racing you know some races you know you got red you got red flag red you know red red flags and i mean it should be an hour race and next you know you're like two three hours up there yeah it's uh definitely i've been in five degree weather to windy um it's uh been pretty cold at a lot of places um and it gets to heat and it's just all depends. It's kind of hard when you race when you go racing across country, just because you're not sure of the weather and all the stuff. So you got to make sure you're packed well. You know, you have everything for hydration and make sure you stay hydrated. And uh, we're definitely up there for a while. It's uh, people don't understand, but it's definitely stressful. Um, it's definitely uh, different. Um, it is actually something. I thought it was just me, um, you know. But talking to other spotters, you, you are tired after. I mean, you're a lot of stress that you're putting on yourself and you know the driver is in your hands so you're trying to just do the best you can and really stay focused on what's going on just as much as the driver's focused in the car that was that was going to be Sharon are you back yet yeah I'm here <laughs> okay I, I didn't know if you're back yet or not okay. there was there's was one other question and, and actually it, it pertained to what you said about the other spotters I, how do you gel with the other spotters? You know, like, you know, you always hear on, um, you know, on TV, they say, oh, yeah, they're up there, they're making deals. You know, this spotter's talking to that spotter, this spotter's talking to that spotter. Let's start here, let's start there, and let's do this, and let's do that. Does all that really go on up there? 
because because I know with short track racing, you know, it, the races are quick, you know, ex- except for, you know, like race like the All-American 400, you know, where you're racing almost all day, you know, in the Snowball Derby. But, you know, like just racing in general, do you guys go up there and try to make deals with each other or is it just every man for himself? Uh, it's not really uh, deals. Um, obviously, we communicate with each other. Um, you know, we've been going back east a lot lately, so I'm getting more familiar with faces back east and, Usually it's always the same spotter, so, you know, you become friends and you talk and, you know, a lot of, uh, there is a lot of communication that goes on um, if needed, um, and at least so you know who you who you need to go to to give the information to or just whatever, you know, a lap car you're coming up on, you want to run the bottom and he wants to run the top, just communication. Um, you go out and practice and you're on a mock run, you don't want people pulling out in front of you. Um, a lot of different signs, people and other spotters understand, you know, hey, I'm on a mock run, doing a qualifying run, just different stuff. But, yeah, definitely um, there is a lot of communication that goes on up there also, just not just the driver and the spotter. Interesting. Now, with that, I I, I had to make sure Sharon was back on because when we started, she, I, don't, I guess she had disappeared. But, anyways, I, I know Sharon has some questions for you. Okay. Yes, I do. So... Uh, first of all, David, thank you so much for being on the show with us here tonight. Uh, it's, it's really a lot of fun to get all the different perspectives. And I apologize for missing the first part of your interview. So if I'm asking you a repeat question, uh, forgive me, please. Um, but what I heard you say something about starting when you were 15. What was it that – was this something that you always wanted to do or – uh, did you get inspired to do it by someone, or how did that come about? Oh, yeah, um, thanks for having me on also. Um, yeah, it's um, my dad would always take me to the racetrack when I was young. Uh, we'd go uh, to Irwindale Speedway, watch the racing there, and um, just started talking to people and making friends and uh, just kind of helping out in the pits. And a guy asked me one day, um, he's like, hey, I need an extra crew member. Can you come help? And I said, yeah, sure. So uh, I went out there as a crew member, and he said, oh, you know what? I need a spotter. Um, uh, would you be willing to spot for me? And uh, I said, well, I've never done it before. He said, here's a radio. I'm sure you'll be able to figure it out. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I did it uh, I did it that night and did it a couple more times for him, and then he stopped racing. So then I just kind of did it for some other drivers, and it just kept leading on and leading on to more and more more opportunities. So it was kind of like uh, jumping into the frying pan right from the start, huh? <laughs> it was, was yes. So so uh, if, if there was somebody else who had aspirations to become a spotter, what would be your advice to them? Um, advice, I would say um, definitely study um you know i know on uh, the nascar um I, I did it when i was starting i would go on nascar.com listen to spotters you know they have in-car radio you can listen you learn stuff um but it's definitely mm-hmm. something that you need to study it's not just for so- anybody to go up there and do it i've talked to a lot of people and they're like man that's not for me i don't know how you do it um it, it's definitely different um it's definitely something you'd want to look into before doing it and um it's uh it's it's interesting. I love doing it. Started doing it when I was young. I wasn't really sure what I was getting myself into, but uh, I just kept working <laughs> hard at it. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, thanks for sharing that with us. And then also, um, you, I know you, you for Derek Thorne, and I heard you say something about Ron Partridge and some other drivers that you spotted for. Those are mainly on short tracks, right? You, have you spotted a, a big track like a super speedway? No, I'd say the biggest track that I've spotted is uh, Phoenix. Okay. So, unfortunately, and, and I haven't been able to or got the opportunity to do Daytona or Talladega or anything of that nature, but um, I've done Iowa, Phoenix. Okay, yeah, Iowa. I like Iowa. I, I go to that track. I know Sal goes to the Phoenix uh, Raceway. Um and, and those are both fun tracks. Um, do you have any aspirations to go beyond the short track scene? Would you have any aspirations to be a spotter in NASCAR? Um, I've, I've had a couple opportunities uh, kind of arise, but um, just being out here on the West Coast, you know, it's kind of hard just because, you know, everybody is back in North Carolina. Um, everyone rides on the team plane. Um, so it's just a little bit hard. Um, I haven't made the jump to North Carolina. I've definitely thought about it, but um, just never really. I, I love short track racing. Um, I love, you know, everything out here on the West Coast, and I've kind of stuck to the West Coast, and I've gone recently back east now um, with Derek and Campbell Motorsports and um, mm-hmm. definitely enjoying it. So we'll, uh, I don't know, if the opportunity came upon again, maybe, but um Something definitely I would uh, have to think about, but I haven't uh, haven't made the jump yet. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and then, um, uh, have you had a chance to talk to any of the NASCAR spotters? Uh, yeah, when uh, we go to Sonoma, uh, there's definitely a couple there. Um, Phoenix, obviously, we uh, there's a couple up there that you know we talked to, and uh, definitely at um, at the Snowball Derby. A lot of cup spotters are there. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely uh, talks with some. Okay, that's really cool. I've got a bunch more questions, but we'll save it for the next time, David. We hope you come back and chat with us again. Um, no problem. And, uh, usually this is the time of the show that we give you an opportunity to do any shout-outs that you want to do, but also to let fans know how they can follow you on social media. Um, actually, I uh, well, my shout out to uh, uh, my got to thank my wife for putting up with all the traveling and letting me do what I love, and obviously uh, my day to day job that gives me the time off to do it. Um, but on Instagram, I don't really have any social media. I try to stay away from it. <laughs> there's obviously a lot of uh, <laughs> there's a lot of drama and intensity on there, so I don't I don't really have any Instagram or any kind of followings on there, so I'm sorry about that. That's okay. Okay, well, but, um, you know, we... Yeah, I definitely you appreciate on... you guys for having me on. Oh, okay, oh, well, we definitely it. appreciate you being on, too. Go ahead, Yeah. Scott. Yeah, you know, on a quick note, actually, I sent you a, a memo, but um, uh, we're going to make this a two-part interview. So probably in a, in a couple more weeks, we'll have him back on again to finish the interview, you know, get, you know, so we can find out a little bit more, you know, about, of course, you know, everybody wants to know, you know, about what it's like to spot for Derek and 
stuff like that. You know, this way, you know, we can get more into that and, you know, and, uh, and here, and cause I, I want to hear some of the good stuff. We'll give you some preview. <laughs> I want to know what your most memorable experience is. And Derek is such a good guy. There's no way you guys have any conflicts, right? <laughs> uh, well, it's uh, I I, I got to say we can get I, into I've that heard later. Some of the stories, yeah, I've heard some <laughs> of the stories after the derby, but I those are stories I can't I can't share. But there are stuff you know you know that you know that I've seen at the track. It's you know, and uh, you know, like I said, you know, we'll just leave it at that until his next interview, but then uh, and then we'll get into stuff like that. Okay, sounds sounds like a plan, David. If you're up for it. Sounds good to me. Okay. Well, thanks again, and uh, we'll look forward to the next time and uh, our our continuation of questions for you. <laughs> I appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me on. Okay. Thanks, Take care now. Thank you. All right. That is David Coley, and he is the spotter for Derek Thorne, among multiple other drivers that he has spotted for. And uh, that was a lot of fun to chat with him uh, here. And I do have some more questions uh, for (laughs) uh, David Covid when he comes back. Uh, But we have to get into our review of the Cup Series now. Uh, They raced at uh, Martinsville Speedway this weekend. And uh, definitely looking forward to – oops, I hit the wrong wrong link – Definitely looking forward to uh, hit it again. Okay, let's go ahead and start with this. <laughs> um, the NASCAR Cup Series raced at Martinsville Speedway this past weekend, and the winner was again William Byron. Uh, he becomes the first NASCAR Cup Series driver to win uh, multiple races, so with two wins. Uh, it was the first night series race uh, for the Cup Series uh, and was a cakewalk for Hendrick Motorsports until a late caution sent the race into overtime. Uh, but William Byron survived the final restart and a mistake on the white flag lap in order to win uh, the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 400 at the 0.526 mile track of Martinsville. Uh, he led 212 of 403 laps, and uh, it was his second win of the year, the first at Martinsville Speedway, and the fourth of his career. Uh, Joey Legato uh, finished in second place, followed by Austin Dillon, Ryan Blaney, Ross Chastain, and Kurt Busch. Then it was Kyle Busch, Eric Amarola, Chase Briscoe, and Chase Elliott. Uh, rounding out the top 10 finishers. Elliott was the uh, pole sitter. He dominated early in the race. He led 185 laps and swept the opening two stages. Uh, he also Byron following a pit stop at the end of stage two. There were five lead changes among four drivers and four cautions for 36 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race, 79.244 miles per hour. Uh, William Byron's uh, uh, victory was his fourth victory in 152 starts. Uh, for second place uh, finisher, 
uh, Joey Logano. Uh, he posted his 15th top 10 finish in 27 races at Martinsville. It was his fourth top 10 finish this season. Austin Dillon posted his third top 10 finish in 17 races at Martinsville. And Austin Sendrick was finishing in 11th with the highest finishing rookie of the race. Your thoughts about the top 10 here? I'm I'm curious how Will Byron is taking two clocks home on that plane if there's enough room. Because remember, <laughs> no he got kidding. the clock from from the truck from the truck win, and mm-hmm. then I get the clock from the from the uh, Cup Series win. So, uh, so if you're going to yeah, win too, Martinsville is a great place to do it at. Oh yeah, that that is for sure. Yeah, I thought I thought Joey just did he didn't have nothing for him at the end. I mean, William Byron just did. I mean. Gosh, you know what? I like one of the commentators said, looks like the 24 is back to to the way the 24 used to race. And, of course, they're referring back to when Jeff Gordon was in the 24, you know, and he just started, you know, at a young age, yeah. you know, racking up, you know, while young, young in his career, you know, racking up the wins because William Byron isn't actually that young. And William Byron got a start in racing way late, a lot later, you know, than all these, like Joey Logano, Austin Dillon, Blaney, you know, and all these other drivers, you know. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a really good uh, a really good um, finish for him. And then the Bush brothers finishing back to back, Kurt on top of Kyle. We haven't seen that in a long time, you know. Kurt and Kyle, you know, finishing back to back, sixth six to seventh place, you know. So that was uh, we'll see Kyle in victory lane here pretty soon. Um, yeah, we should see Tyler and Victor Lane pretty soon is right. Uh, just uh, just a note on that. You said he's not that young anymore. Uh, William Byron is 24. Uh, his crew chief this weekend was Rudy Fugel. So, uh, yeah, he's been doing really great. And he's been doing a lot of short track racing. Uh, and I think that's probably kind of helped his game. It probably boosted his confidence a little bit because he's won quite a, I think every time he's raced in one of these short track races, he won it. So uh, we're back to seeing William Byron be William Byron in the 24th. Yeah. As far as that's concerned, too, because he he dominated in trucks when he raced trucks. He was good in Xfinity when he raced Xfinity. But uh, the the transition into Cup is always a little more challenging. Yeah, it was. And, it is, you know, and, it, and then, you know, even on that Kurt Busch finish, you know, it was good to see, you know, um, you know that team, you know, you know, finally, you know, get a decent finish. I know Kurt's mm-hmm. been kind of, he's been kind of vocal, you know, about how the, you know, about how the team, you know, isn't performing, you know, and then, you know, to get the, you know, to grab a top 10 finish, you know, Especially at a track like Martinsville, you know, it's you know, it's a tough track and um um you know, it was it was just good to see, you know, that that forty five car, you know, get up there in the in the um you know, get up there in the hunt. It definitely it definitely was. Now the margin of victory was point three oh three seconds and there were five lead changes among just four drivers. So we didn't see a lot of lead changes in that race. Uh, and I know a lot of fans were talking about that. I'm sure that's going to be another topic uh, that we'll have on Hot Topics uh, here in a few minutes. Uh, but let's go ahead and do the points report before we run out of time, Sal. 
Yeah, our driver our driver points after um, the Blue Emu uh, race out here in Martinsville is um, Chase Elliott is is still leading the way. Um, Brian Bainey in second, uh, William Byron third, Joey Logano in fourth, Ross Chastain in fifth, Alex Bowman in sixth, Martin Truex Jr. in seventh, and Eric Almirola round out the top eight. And then from there, we go down to ninth, which is uh, Kevin Harvick. Tenth is Kyle Busch. Eleventh is Chase Briscoe. Twelfth is Tyler Reddick. Thirteenth is Kyle Larson. Fourteenth is Austin Citric, who is the highest uh, rookie. Fifteenth uh, is Austin Dillon. And Kurt Busch finally cracks that top 16 and, uh, you know, sitting on the on the bubble for the um, – for the uh, uh, last spot in the chase. Still a lot of racing to do there. And I'm kind of surprised, too. I'm, hasn't Kyle Larson been uh, I'm in 13? We're talking about that. Me and a, a friend of mine that was over here over the weekend, we were watching Derek's race on a Friday night. You know, and I was asking who his picks were. Usually he picks Larson every week. And uh, he hasn't had Larson in the last couple of weeks. And I, I go, Larson's been, you know, awfully quiet ever ever since the um, ever since the incident with him and uh, Chase Elliott at Auto Club Speedway. You know, we really haven't heard much from Kyle Larson. Uh, you know, um, it's I mean Hendrick is still you know one of the you know dominant teams out there. You know, um, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know what uh, you know. Uh, um, William Byron his two wins and then um um and then the win that uh um Alex Bowman picked up. But um mm-hmm. Chase Elliott is still without a win and Chase Elliott is really looking getting really looking frustrated, you know, out there, you know. He's just he doesn't look like the Chase Elliott of you know, of the champion championship Chase Elliott. And um, you can tell, you know, by his interviews, you know, just the way he's he's just not He's just not in the groove. I'm sure it'll pick up yeah. you know, towards, you know, there's still a lot of racing left. I mean, he's still, point-wise, he's still in, you know, he's still in first place. But, um, you know, just like um, this long um, losing streak that Kevin Harvick has, you know, he's still in ninth. You know, I'm, you know, I'm sure it's going to, I'm sure it's going to take its toll, especially as young as Chase Elliott. He's, he's just having a win by this time of the season, you know, and, and yeah. I mean, he's only got two two stage wins and only two playoff points. Yeah, and Denny Hamlin, he's he's moved up to 21st. He's had a rough start this season, too, although he does have a win. Yeah, he's yeah he's already got that win. And then, of course, Brad Keselowski, who's in the cellar, you know, in the basement. Yeah. You know, after losing that, you know. And what's, even if he gets a win, he, they still have a negative a negative 10 um, playoff points. So, I mean, he has to make up 10 playoff points just to get one playoff point. So, exactly. Um, you know, he's, you know, that, that, he's got, also got to be in the top 30 in order for a win to get him in. So, yeah. yeah. It's it's doable, but, but he's got an uphill climb. Yeah, then they, they then they lost the appeal, so that losing the appeal really, that really that really stung, you know, that really stung mm-hmm. the team. But um, you know, I mean, Brad's Brad's good. He's good for a win, and 
he's only uh, seven points out of that 30th spot. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure he's going to he's going to overtake Corey LaHoy and Harrison Burton here. You know, within the next month, next three four races. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be exciting. You know, to see you know how the rest of the season plays out for for uh, Brad Keselowski and his uh, you know his RFK team. I mean, gosh, that. When NASCAR said they weren't playing around, boy, they sure weren't playing around, and they used they used him as an yes. example. Yes, indeed. Uh, Chris Buescher's in twentieth place, the other RFK car. So, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, I, I still think it's doable. Uh, we've got the first repeat winner of the season in William Byron. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if we get different uh, drivers. Do you think we'll get 16 different winners this year? I, I, it, I, I think we will. And I also think that we're going to have, I think we're going to have uh, multiple wins, but you know, mm. when you think of Kyle Busch without the win, you know, and then, you know, for him to, uh, you know, for him to, uh, you know, talk about uh, Alex Bowman, you know, when he got that win, you know, I mean, yeah, Kyle, you've won a lot of races, but you ain't got to win this season. You know, until you get that win, you know, you really should have said nothing about Bowman, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's, you know, Hendrick is, you know, the only one without a win is Chase Elliott. And usually, you know, things, like I said, things were different last season. Yep. You're going to be at the racetrack this weekend, Sal, and then we're going to have to sign off. No, this is Easter Easter weekend family oh, the time. Oh, Easter weekend. Okay. Yeah, I, <laughs> you're gonna I be with your Valentine. Huh? I said you're gonna be with your Valentine on Easter. Unfortunately, <laughs> okay. yeah, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm stuck with her. <laughs> oh, don't say it like that. <laughs> nah, no, I don't. I don't mind. Okay. Well, it's uh, been a pleasure, and uh, I really enjoyed the interviews we had here tonight and uh, looking forward to uh, Monday night when we're back again. I know we've got Amber Balcane on at 9 o'clock. I'm not sure. Do you have your guest for the 9.30 spot? I don't know. I have to make a phone call right after this. I, we had a, I had I had the owner from Pepper Jack um, Kennels, oh. Derek's main sponsor. He wanted to come on and talk, but I said, we don't have any room today. I said, so I, I told him I'd give him a call and, and, uh, and maybe see if we can get him on next Monday. Next Monday is my birthday. I'm supposed to be at Disneyland with with um, with my wife and some friends. So I, I, I might have to just do, if I get my guests, I just might have to do just that 15-minute interview because um, I have a friend, a race car friend coming from Idaho, and he's not going to be too happy if I spend an hour and a half on the phone and he's buying me birthday dinner at Disneyland. I got you. Okay, well, so we're going to have to get started we'll, we'll with our hot out. topic sound off here. Okay. All right. So, but, uh, good night, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Sharon. Oh, thanks, okay. Sal. Take okay. care. Okay. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. All right, it is uh, nine, actually two right now, so uh, we're ready for Hot Topic Sound Off, and we've got a full house tonight. We'll start with uh, Andy. Welcome to the show, Andy. Hey, Sharon. How are you doing tonight? Doing really well, and looking forward to our conversation tonight. We also have Jay Huesman on board. Welcome to the show, Jay. 
Thank you, Sharon. And to say I'm looking forward to tonight's conversation would be an absolute <laughs> understatement. <laughs> I had a feeling that would be the case. And I think the same is true for Tommy Kraft. Welcome to the show, Tommy. Hey, how are y'all? Thanks for having me back. Glad to be back. Well, we're glad to have you on as well. Uh, okay, Andy, you get to kick us off with the first hot topic of tonight. I've got a feeling I know what it's going to be, but maybe you're going to surprise me. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's just start off with the big one from the Xfinity race, Ty Gibbs and uh, Sam Mayer, uh, specifically their altercation and uh, kind of what led up to that. Curious what you guys think. Okay. Uh, Jay, I'll let you go next. Be the first one up here. Well, we talked about this and uh the other night when it when it came to the John Hunter Nemechek and Ty Gibbs and it's kind of been the story throughout his career. He is an aggressive driver and won some races uh by the bump and run. The question we had was how he han- he'd handle himself when it happened to him and we saw what happened. And I know Dave Moody is one that, especially on his Twitter feed of not using names, but, I mean, he showed who he is as his character. I mean, there is no way around it. Uh, it was an embarrassment to me. Uh, I'm one that kind of kind of defended him. I, I thought he would handle himself better, and in this case, he really, really didn't. Uh, and it wasn't for the win, but for Sam Mayer, it was his shot at 100000 uh dollars for the dash for cash and it turns out it cost him both because aj almendinger came away with it but i mean that was his shot and he did nothing different than what ty gibbs had the week before so i i'm really disappointed in the way gibbs handled himself we'll have to see how what he does moving forward because uh if you follow twitter or any of the broadcasts <laughs> that cover racing that they weren't a fan of it. And, you know, you knew what was going to happen at some point and how he would react was going to define him. And as of right now, it has. We've seen some other drivers build back their reputation from it, but he has gone to the bottom and going to have to work to uh, to restore it. Yes, indeed. Tommy? I'm disappointed. Um, the reason why I say that is because, I mean, he's only – raced what 23 24 Xfinity races and has what seven eight ten wins so mm-hmm. the guy's gonna be good and you know I'm not gonna draw comparisons by any means but I'm just gonna say this I mean Earnhardt moved people out of the way Bush moves people out of the way Legato moves people out of the way um but you just did it last week to your teammate you did it all throughout your Arca, Arca Series career against Corey Haim and um, Sam Mayer, uh, I think. So everybody's been waiting for what's going to happen when you get moved out of the way like you've been doing, and that was the reaction we got. And, yeah, I have to say I'm disappointed. And also, too, if you're going to throw punches, take the helmet off. I mean, <laughs> Sam Mayer didn't even get a chance to throw a clean punch because he had himself protected. And that doesn't seem like a fair fight if you're going to start a fist fight. Calls Sam Mayer may have put his hand on Ty Gibbs' helmet or whatever, to, but Ty Gibbs is the one that started the pushing with the on the track after the race hitting the car. 
Sam Mayer and then pushing him and then hitting him. I mean, Sam Mayer really didn't even retaliate. I mean, and then like Jay said, Sam Mayer in his interview said, I was going after 100K. Uh, he did it last week to his teammate to win the race, so I did it back, you know, to him. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's short track racing or whatever. <laughs> but um, I am no longer going to be picking Ty Gibbs to win races, even though he um, is going to be good at winning races. I just can't bring myself to do it. You can't can't act like that. And Jay's right. you got to build your reputation back up. And, um, I mean, he's talented. That's the thing. We're going to see him win more races. It's just disappointing to see him act the way he did, in my opinion. Yeah, there's so much I want to say here <laughs> with regard to what happened. Because, first of all, you're right, uh, Tommy. This doesn't. This didn't just happen. I think it came to a head uh, at that Xfinity Series race uh, this weekend. But. Uh, Ty Gibbs has been doing this throughout the ARCA career, and uh, Sam Mayer's been the recipient of that a couple times, and as has Corey Hines. And uh, these guys, these guys have been kind of building up to, and I think this is where it kind of got released. Um, uh, but here's the thing that happened: he bumped him on pit road and then said he was going to get out of his car and go up and talk to him, where you've already put up the defenses of of the other guy by bumping his car on the road. Uh, And he was the first one to throw the punches. There was some uh, putting the arm out to kind of push him back, if you will, without really pushing him. He was just putting his arm up to kind of keep some distance between them. But... I really felt like it was I, – I, I'm seeing some discrepancies between what Ty Gibbs is saying and what Ty Gibbs is doing. He and, – and we all know he is a very, very talented driver. And I know Sal mentioned last week that he was at uh, Kern County Raceway at the SRL race, and a lot of these drivers were uh, – just a shot at the finish of the race between him and John Hunter Nemechek. They were like, why did he do that? He didn't have to do that. He could have finished second in that race. He's too talented to be winning races that way. And, and I have to agree with him. He's too talented to be winning races with a bump and run. Could have settled for second in that race. He's already got the two wins. That gave him three wins this season. Uh, he's too talented to be doing that. Um, And and so already people were questioning why he was trying to win races with a bump and run. Um, And then he came back this weekend, and when he got it back in return, he was hot already. I also read on Twitter that uh, they listened to the radio to the 54's radio, he was told to stand down and to not do what he did, and he did it anyway. That's the other thing that frustrates me, is that he was told and given the advice by his own team to stand down, and he didn't listen to them. He got out of his car and approached uh, Sam Mayer. 
So to me, he initiated he initiated the bump and run that he got back in return. And he and 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 by the way, Brandon Jones won very cleanly. He did not do a bump and run to win that win. So it can be done. Um, uh, so he initiated the bump and run. So anybody who bumps him, he's got to accept it. He can't be arguing with those drivers about a bump and run when he's done it to those drivers all year long, all throughout his ARCA career. He did it. So he, he can't be complaining when other people do it. And we've been asking that question for a long time. Uh, when he's going to, how he's going to react when he gets it done to him. So we found out, uh, and like I say, for Sam Mayer, I can kind of understand his frustration because this is something that's been building up for a while. It didn't just happen with the race at Martinsville. It's been happening throughout the Arthur races. Uh, so it is embarrassing and I started to get into this. There's a conflict between him getting out of races when he wins and thanking God and and all of that and what he did. What he did when he got out of that car was not a godly way to handle that situation. I understand he's young. He's got a lot of uh, growing up to do, if you will. But he's he just there between what he says and what he does. And that doesn't sit well with me either, because when I think of godly people, I don't think of godly people doing what he did at uh, Martinsville Speedway uh, this past weekend. So uh, those are my quick thoughts, uh, as fast as I could get them out. So, Andy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a lot, you know, along the lines of what's already been said, certainly, but um. You know, we talked about last weekend when he won the Richmond race, you know, and the move that he made on John Hunter Nemechek. And we said on this show that the big test was going to be what would happen when it was done to him. Unfortunately, he mm-hmm. failed that test. Um, you know, it's hard to it's hard to respect somebody that can race aggressively, you know, move people out of the way for wins, but then – react that way when it happens to them. And I, I think, you know, Mayer got into him a little bit and, you know, moved him up the track. He finished a few positions further back than he should have. He still finished top 10, so it wasn't like it was a bad night. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but if you're going to if you're gonna dish it out, you have to be able to take it, you know. And, and I think, you know, he's just so young, you know, he's not even fully mature as an adult yet. And that was very evident by the way he reacts when things don't go his way. It's childish, quite frankly, um, you know, to, you know, everything's great when it's going my way. But when, when someone encounters adversity and things aren't going their way, you know, the throw fits like that. It, it just demonstrates his age, really, in my opinion. Um, that being said, I'm not going to, not going to, you know, be totally negative on him. He's obviously got a very bright future in the sport. He's incredibly talented arguably the best driver in the Xfinity series right now. Um, He just has some maturing to do, you know, and I think when he figures out that fine balance of how to be aggressive without overstepping um, and also learns, you know, that it can happen to me and I have to accept it when it does happen to me. um, When he learns to manage that and and get his emotions under control, 
um, when things aren't going his way, he's going to be in great shape. There's no doubt about that. And I think he has a bright future uh, in the Cup Series someday. But, you know, he – and that's the thing. We've debated, you know, about whether he should go right to the Xfinity – you know, or, I'm sorry, right to the Cup Series maybe after running yeah. one Xfinity season. And, and in my mind, he's not mature enough to go to the Cup Series yet. It's going to take some time to, I think, develop into – being a cup series ready driver and it's not just about on track results you know i think there's more to it than that including being mature and, and being mentally ready for it and right now he doesn't demonstrate that so um he's got some work to do uh, as far as managing himself in situations like what he went through at martinsville but he'll get there i, I think like i said his future in my mind is one of the the brightest and arguably one of the hotter prospects in the sport right now, and, and he'll get there. But, you know, to reiterate, like I said, you know, we wondered how he'd handle a situation like that, and now we know, and we know that, that he's got some work to do. Yes, indeed. Jay, your follow-up. Yeah, he's in, a, in another position of we got to see what the next step is. We talked about it last week. He was willing to do the bump and run. How would he react following it? Now we've seen this kind of attitude and behavior. He's got to, I think, and to use the word mature, uh, especially when you get up to the cup level. You know, it's a little – we've seen some um, drivers have to go through this in the Xfinity series, and we could name off a bunch. I'm not going to do that. But even to the cup level, there, there's been that some that have still carried that up mm-hmm. to the cup level, and other drivers are going to straighten them out one way or another. Um, and, and so we're seeing that already. What I look at now, we know he's going to be around long-term. The talent is there without a doubt. I don't think anybody would question that. The maturity, as Andy said, take the second-place finish you know, uh, uh, last week rather than pushing your own teammate out of the way, except then when you get bumped and slide back, what was it, six positions. I think he ended up eighth. Um, mm-hmm. So it can be recovered from. Uh, you know, you mentioned it, uh, Dale Earnhardt um, won championships, but you're going to have to change the way you handle yourself, and, and we'll have to see if that happens. It'll be interesting to see if there's any kind of apology or acknowledgement of what he did and how he acted, and then the changing of it. Uh, Sharon, you said it. He's saying one thing, but he's doing another, uh, especially when it comes to, as you said, referring to praising God when he's doing good, you know, there's times when you need him more when you're on the other side of it. That's even more important um, in how you handle yourself. So uh, I think you're right. I think those two things have to line up of your actions and your words got to match. So we'll see where it goes. We, like I said, we know he's going to be around a long time. He's got the talent. We know that it's a matter of how he handles himself. Okay, uh, Tommy. Yeah, like I said, just disappointed. Um, he's gonna be really good. He's definitely, in my opinion, like Larson was a top talent that everybody recruited. Um, some of these other guys, like William Byron, Chase Briscoe, I would definitely throw Ty Gibbs in that group of people. He is the next big prospect. I mean, he's only done 20-some races, and he's already got seven to ten wins, how many ever it is already. So he's a threat. And 
I think everybody wanted to see, you know, is he going to be the villain or how is he going to be? And I was just, I'm just kind of, like I said, it's going to be hard for me to pick him in our little fantasy thing we got going on because I just don't, don't agree with, agree with that. You can't move people out of the way in the Arca series and in the Xfinity series, get one back and then throw punches at the guy. It just doesn't add up. (laughs) Um, Now, I can agree that he probably, you know, he didn't take his helmet off, not because I feel like he was protecting himself. His adrenaline was going, and I I did see where the radio, the radio told him not to go after him, and he still did. But your adrenaline's still pumping, you know, Sam Mayer did get in his face. I'm sure that did not help. Um, and then he threw some punches. I, that I'm sure he probably wishes he didn't. I don't know. But, I mean, either way, the guy's going to be in victory lane a lot more this season. And, oh, I know I was going to add to it now. Um, I mean, he's already got three wins in the Xfinity Series. I know we're talking about him maturing a little bit. But, um I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if he's in a cup car next year. If he keeps on winning and maybe even wins the the championship this year, I would be getting really nervous if I was anybody in one of those Joe Gibbs cars right now or 23XI. One of those Toyota seats is hot, very, very hot. He's going to be taking it very soon, if not this year, or, I mean, next year. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Um, I I do know that um, there has been some talk about Denny Hamlin possibly making a retirement announcement at the end of this season. So we'll have to wait and see if that does indeed happen. But here's the thing. I I equated to Noah Gregson. Uh, A lot of people felt like Noah Gregson had to go through that learning curve. Uh, because of his maturity and aggressiveness on the track. It's a very similar situation. Um, And I think at some point, saying the same thing after every race, is just one of those racing deals, um, that people started getting kind of tired of hearing that because every week it was just one of those racing deals um, for Noah Gregson. And, And I think he finally had somebody sit him down and talk to him and tell him he can't be doing that. It, it, there's cost involved in wrecking those cars and everything else. So uh, I think the same thing is going to happen with Ty Gibbs. Uh, at some point, well, he did get called to the NASCAR hauler, so I think that probably uh, was not a pleasant experience for him. Um, but I wish somebody like like his Grandpa Joe would sit down with him and, and have a real heart-to-heart conversation with this kid. Um, his dad could sit down with him and have that heart-to-heart conversation. I'm sure uh, it wasn't a good experience for them this weekend either. Uh, I agree with you guys. I think Pat Gibbs is a very, very talented guy. And just like the other drivers uh, we're talking about at Kern County uh, in the SRL series, it was, they were saying he's too talented to be driving that way. So I, I get it that he's pleased. I hope they don't push him up 
to the Cup Series next year. I, I just hope and pray that that does not happen. For me, he would have to have a real major turnaround in attitude before I would even think about it for him going up to Cup Series next year. Uh, I really think it would be a mistake to put him in the Cup Series um, next year. Uh, I, I think it would be a major mistake. So I don't think he's mature enough for it, and it's it's a big, big uh, transition from Xfinity Series to Cup. I think he needs two or three years in the Xfinity Series uh, before they even think about it. And two, to me, would be rushing it for him. I think he's on the same track as a Noah Gregson, and I think it's going to take him at least three years, uh, and then maybe some part-time rides in the Cup Series uh, during that third year. Uh, I, I just don't think he'd be ready for it, and I think it would be a mistake. So, But I don't know. Joe Gibbs did that with uh, Daniel Suarez, and he struggled. And um, uh, I, I think it would be a mistake for them to do that with one of their own, with Ty Gibbs. And we know that Daniel Suarez is a talented guy, too. Look at how good he's doing uh, this year in the uh, track house. He's had some really good runs. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, talented guy, uh, just not mature at this point. And the last thing you want to do is if you've got that adrenaline rush going at the end of the race, don't approach another driver <laughs> about anything immediately after the race and don't use your car to pump them on pit road. And I agree with you guys who said it earlier, take your darn helmet off if you're going to approach another guy, especially if you're planning to throw haymakers at him, uh, don't have your helmet on when he can't defend himself. So, um, Andy, you get the last word here. Yeah, really, you know, you know, for, like you said, Sharon, for me to want to see him in the cup series, eventually it's going to, it's just going to take some maturing and, you know, developing as a person to be able to handle these difficult situations better. Um, I don't see that he's reached that maturity level of, of being in the Cup Series as of yet, and I would agree that I think moving him up too soon is probably a big mistake. Um, he'll get there, though. Like I, like we've all talked about, his talent is, is uh, really strong, and, and he's very young, too. He's, what, 19 years old? So, I mean, he's got mm-hmm. basically his whole life ahead of him, and... Um, you know he's he's gonna I think develop into into being an incredible driver. He is an incredible driver, and you know, but it's just gonna take some time to get there. So I would, in my mind, like to see him, you know, back at least for one more Xfinity season to try to develop, mature, and learn. You know that fine balance, like I said earlier, of of being aggressive but but not being over the line. And I I do think he'll get there. Um, Mike and I talk about it in the in the race chats just about every week about how he he really truly is one of the the real big talents coming up in the sport right now and it's going to be exciting to see what he does not only the rest of this season but in the future but certainly has some maturing to do but at only 19 years of age you know you kind of have to expect that you know he's not going to be fully developed in that regard and and he proved it unfortunately but he'll get there you know and and i think just over time the next few years 
hopefully, um, you know, he'll trend in the right direction. Okay. Uh, Jay, you're up for the next hot topic. Well, that one uh, I knew was going to be a hot one. We're already at 27 minutes past, so if you want to go first, Sharon, here real quick. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. um, We are at the time of the show where I like to talk to our first-time listeners. We go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, but we do continue to record the rest of our conversation beyond that time as we continue our hot topic conversation. Uh, But what happened is when we conclude our show here tonight, I will go out on Twitter to let everyone know that the podcast is available. And at that point, you can go to the player over at FanFarising.com and fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of that conversation as part of our bonus overtime material. So, uh, again, I don't want anybody to be caught off guard, especially if you're a first-time listener and not know how you can hear the rest of our conversation. So that's why we make this announcement uh, at this point of our show. So with that, Jay, you can bring up our next hot topic. All right. Well, I got one thing here before we go to go to the topic itself. Uh, actions have to uh, match your words. Tommy said he wouldn't pick Ty Gibbs anymore in our fantasy group. I just want to point that out. So Keep an eye on that if he picks him throughout the year. Now, um, next one, uh, Mike not able to attend tonight uh, to be on the show with us. He says, as he put it on the uh, the board, who does he hate to disagree with? Or I'm sorry, who does he hate to agree with more than me? And that's Kyle Bush. Kyle had come out and said it was time to cut the cord on the dirt attempt, and with that. It's an agreement with Richard Petty who made the statement that dirt takes our sport backwards. So what are your thoughts on that of the the Bristol dirt race? Okay. Uh, Tommy? Um, So I'm for Bristol dirt, but at the same time, I wish that it would just be at another track, I get Well, I don't know how to phrase this. I'm not against Bristol dirt. Prefer Bristol to have its two uh, asphalt concrete races back. And why not, um, you know, do North Wilkesboro or any other dirt track if you want to do a dirt race? Um, I mean, the Bristol dirt race wasn't bad last year, nor was the trucks, but... I just feel like Bristol should should not be a dirt a dirt track. I feel like they should use another track. Uh, I am excited for the race this weekend though, because last year it rained and it got rescheduled. And um, you know, like Coda, that was another one. I feel like all the big races last year got rain delayed. So maybe this year all the big races won't get rain delayed. Um, but you know, either way. Um, I kind of agree with Kyle Bush. Let's see how this year goes. And if ratings don't improve from what they did last year, maybe he's right. Maybe we should cut the court. And, you know, Richard Petty kind of does have a point with saying, you know, in the 70s all the tracks got paved and we stopped the running dirt races. 
Now, I do get the element of, well, we need to run at least one dirt race because that's how the sport started back then. What better place to do that than North Wilkesboro? Because that was where the moonshining and all that stuff started. And I guess you could say not really the birthplace of NASCAR, because I'm sure that might have been another place. But in the general area, the general concept, I guess. But the problem with North Wilkesboro is, is I mean, I live in North Carolina. Uh, I'm not sure if any of how familiar you guys are with the state, but North Wilkesboro is in the mountains, and there's not really a big city or a big town by it. It's pretty much a small town with a track. Um, so you can imagine that a lot of people wouldn't go to it, and um, that's unfortunate because, you know, back in the 80s, 90s, and 70s, a lot of people did go to it, but this day and time, it would be pretty hard to pull a big crowd there. Now, I could be wrong. A lot of people might would want to go to it. I'm sure the first couple races there actually would be sold out and it would be packed. But to maintain that would be the problem is what I'm saying, I guess. Um, either way, uh, I'm excited for the dirt race this weekend. I was excited about it last year. However, if Kyle Busch and Richard Petty got their way, I wouldn't complain. At the end of the day, I'm an NASCAR fan. We can talk about what they're going to do, but at the end of the day, on Sunday, I'm going to be watching it, whether it's dirt or concrete. Okay, Andy? Yeah, you know, I'm going to echo a lot of what Tommy just said there in, um, in, in the fact that I like the Bristol dirt race. I, I went to that race last year. It was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. I think that at least one dirt race a year for the cup series is pretty cool. I, I think that um, it's, it's interesting that the cup series, what makes it so unique and diverse is that they, they really do kind of touch on all different forms of racing, road course racing, super speedways, intermediate tracks, of course, short tracks, which, kind of, you know, take us back to, you know, years ago, kind of grassroots racing and dirt racing. Dirt racing is obviously a big part of of racing in the United States. And so I think that the fact that NASCAR acknowledges dirt racing in the form of running a race weekend on dirt every year is, is cool. I like that. Should it be at Bristol? I'm not sure. Um, I agree with Tommy in the sense that I wish both races there were on its traditional concrete surface. I think Bristol always puts on really good racing. And I think that, um, you know, two races on the traditional surface would be ideal. I think another, you know, true short track race for the Cup Series would be a good thing. Uh, that being said, there's plenty of regular dirt tracks out there with some enhancements, like maybe the addition of amenities and grandstands could, could accommodate a, a Cup Series weekend. And, you know, maybe maybe we see something like that unfold. Of course, there's the logistics of, you know, where does that date come from? It's, you know, the circuit's pretty full as it is, so you'd have to figure out that, but that's a whole other topic. But I guess at the end of the day, I like the dirt races. I wish that Bristol would go back the way that it was because I really like Bristol in its traditional form. Um, but... Um, I am looking forward to this weekend. You know, it is whether we like it or not, or whether Kyle Busch or Richard Petty like it or not, you know, I'm anticipating it. I look at it as one of the most anticipated weekends of the year in light of the fact that it is unique and different. 
And uh, I think that's what makes it exciting. So um, would I like to see that change down the road? Yes, I would. But that being said, definitely excited for this coming weekend. Okay. You know, going into the Bristol Dirt Race uh, last year, which was the first time they did that, I had my doubts. I wasn't sure how I was going to like it. I thought that the banking would be a problem. You know, I I really was not sure if, if that was, the right move for NASCAR. Uh, it turned out to be better than I thought it was going to be. Now, Andy, I know you were there. Wasn't there a lot of rain last year at Bristol as well? Yeah, it was It was very challenging. So, basically, the truck and cup races got rained out, and they both ran as a doubleheader on Monday. Um, so, yeah. you know, that probably played into it as far as what made it a, a tough weekend, obviously was, was the fact that it got pushed out to Monday and, you know, I'm sure there were people that couldn't stay, you know, it, it was a long weekend to say the least. Um, but it, it wound up being worth it. I thought that, you know, both the truck and cup races were, were pretty good. And it was, it was just interesting. It was something different, you know, and I think that, um, I think that they learned a lot last year too, you know, to make things better for mm-hmm. this year. So, yeah, so I tend to kind of agree with you. I kind of like the idea of one dirt race a year. Um, my my preference would be it would be that it be out of dirt track. Uh, but Bristol's making this work as far as bringing in the dirt every year. I don't know how much it costs them to do that every year. But it seems like there'd be a cost to that. But they're making good use of it because there's been people racing there on dirt for the last couple of weeks uh, leading up to the cup race that's going to be there uh, and the uh, truck race that's going to be there. So I, I, I think last year kind of made me a little more warmed up to the idea of doing dirt on Bristol uh, at Bristol. Uh, the fact that kind of made it a uh, two or three week e- event at Bristol uh, it makes it a little more cost-effective, I guess. Um, I like. I, I agree with with uh, Andy. I think having a, another venue, so you've got the road courses, the short tracks, the super speedways, the dirt tracks. Uh, having another venue, I wouldn't want to see any more than one race a year be on dirt. Uh, but I, I do think that it needs to be on the schedule. Um, and if they can make it work at Bristol, I guess I'm okay with that. It is going to be interesting. Last year they had a lot of rain on that track. Uh, if they have dry conditions, do they have the facilities to keep the dirt kind of packed in um, uh, for the dirt racing uh, field? Uh, I think that's going to be a, maybe a challenge. I don't really know yet because we haven't seen good weather yet uh, at Bristol. I haven't really followed the racing that's been going on there the last couple of weeks. But um, I, I do think uh, there is a place for one dirt race a year in the Cup Series. Uh, and I, it, because it is different, like Andy said, I think it must have entertaining. And I think it does, it does challenge the other drivers um, uh, to be – good on dirt and I think about uh, uh, you know what some of these drivers are doing this year with going out and racing some of the short tracks 
I think that made William Byron better in the Cup Series, going out and racing on those short tracks. So I see this as a, kind of the same thing. I think that these drivers, once they get used to racing on dirt, I think that they're finding it makes them better race car drivers. Uh, so, Jay, what is your thought? Jay, are you on mute? Or did I lose him? Oh, dear. I lost him. i got to bring him into the queue here. Okay, Jay, you're back. Yeah, believe it or not, I got cut off right at that 29 mark. I was glad I was able to get back on. I'd been really frustrated. Uh, you might have seen the Ty Gibbs oh, wow. tantrum if I hadn't been able to get in on this one. Um, if you need to, this first session or go around, feel free to cut me off if I get long-winded. I, I, I really, truly can't even believe that the king is one that said it. I understand Kyle's point. He's apparently not. I don't want to say not good on dirt. Uh, I don't know what exactly his reasoning is, but I totally disagree with it. You guys have hit on it, the diversity of it. I wouldn't put a number of only one only on it, but I I don't want to see him on dirt every week, nor do I want to see him on a road course every week or a super speedway every week. That is the point. It is the best of the best at the top level. Show some diversity. Um, With that, talked about the track itself. Uh, the question to that last year, there was a lot of rain. They ran it during the day. Uh, This year, I can tell you, they have brought in some different dirt. They adjusted how they built the track on top of Bristol to adjust the banking on it. And they're going to run it at night, which is a huge difference when it comes to dirt track racing. Uh, My dad's Mm -hmm. been watching. I believe he probably watched all of it on flow racing or other uh, platforms throughout the weeks that have been there. And he said that the track was a hundred percent better. And it's that opportunity. Uh, There were three drivers that raced here this weekend with our street stocks, TJ Herndon, who won it, Chad Thrash and Bo Miner from down here that got up there said that was the most fun they've had racing and at a dirt track like that, the environment. So it's that opportunity for these drivers to go and experience that. When it comes to the cup level though, I think it's one of those they need to be a little more flexible with that. Um, and I get really frustrated when fans want to see North Wilkesboro come back, Rockingham, Rockingham come back. How is it you want to go back to those tracks that that's not taking us back in time, but yet you're saying dirt takes us back in time? So I have an issue that. Oh. Oh no, he dropped. Oh, um, Jay, Jay call just dropped, and he's not going to be able to call back in. I know he's going to be super frustrated with that. Um, and I wish he could have said more because Tommy, you're up next um, with your follow-up. Dang, sounded like he was going to have some more good stuff to say, but um, I know it's not that I'm. It's not that I'm saying that I, – I mean, I, I would like to see North Wilkesboro and Rockingham come back, but I'm not necessarily saying for the Cup Series, maybe the Xfinity or the Truck or ARCA. But either way, you know, it, it just stinks that there's two abandoned tracks out here that they're not using. I'm sure you feel that way about Chicagoland. And another one I'd like to add to that list is Nazareth, which that one's completely destroyed now. There's no bringing that one back, really. Um, from what I've seen on YouTube, um, it does not look like that one's going to be ever coming back. But 
Um, what I'm just trying to say is, is I really like the Bristol daytime race in the spring on concrete and then the Bristol night race in the fall on concrete. I don't have a problem with them making Bristol a dirt track. I just would prefer those two races. So I'm just trying to think of where they could put a dirt track at. Now, I do get what Jay was saying. They made improvements from last year, which, I mean, that's good. I'm I'm already excited for this race. I was excited for it last year. It got rained out, so I'm really excited for it this year to see it like it's supposed to be run if it doesn't rain this, this year, obviously. Um, but... I was just saying, thinking that a cool idea would be to put the dirt on North Wilkesboro in the mountains of North Carolina, moonshining, NASCAR's roots, you know. And I do like what y'all are saying, too, you know. We now have six super speedways, six road courses, a dirt race. Uh, we got two short tracks, Martinsville, uh, Bristol. Well, you, I guess Richmond, so three. Uh, is New Hampshire considered one, or is that considered something different? And then you got your oddball tracks like Phoenix and Pocono and Darlington that are weirdly shaped, uh, egg, a triangle, and a dog leg or whatever it is. But <laughs> And then you got your cookie cutters or whatever you want to call them, which is Vegas, Charlotte. So there is diversity. Um amongst the schedule with the dirt race. I'm just saying, does it have to be at Bristol? Can we bring back the two Bristol dates the way they used to be and just relocate to another, make Richmond dirt or something? I mean, I don't I don't know. Um, or Nashville Fairgrounds, <laughs> something. Something other than Bristol, but then again, at the end of the day, like I said, I'm an NASCAR fan. Dirt, concrete, either way, Sunday, you got my attention. I'm going to watch it. Andy, your follow-up? Yeah, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, for anyone that was maybe down and and not excited about the racing last year, I I think that a lot was learned. I think that, you know, improvements have been made. Jay kind of hit on that a little bit. Um, You know, with it being a night race this year, it's going to cut down on the dust drastically. I think the lessons were learned, and I think that, you know, if the weather cooperates, which it looks like it may, you know, it could be a really fun weekend. And I think what's cool about it is it's just it's just different than anything else that, that the Cup Series runs. So that's what makes it exciting, and that's why I hope dirt racing sticks around. Like I said, I don't know that I want it to always be at Bristol, but um, I, I, do, I do like the fact that um, at least one weekend a year they do something different, and it, I think it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I I uh, am going to represent Jay here a little bit, but before I do that, uh, I just want to say, you know, when we first had road courses, a lot of drivers didn't like the road courses because they weren't as good at it, and they brought in ringers to race those races uh, because they didn't feel that they had the skills. But now they love it, and they're better than the ringers on the road courses now. I think the same thing could happen with um, with the dirt races. Uh, and that kind of leads into one of the things that Jay said. He said, he, I, I would have talked about attendance numbers. Inaugural event, inaugural event of any kind is going to be strong in the beginning and then taper off. 
So he said, let's give it some time, three to five years, then evaluate the sustainability. And then also venue. There are only a couple big enough dirt tracks in the U.S. that can handle a cup race. Eldora is one, and we'll see how Knoxville would be a great option, uh, and maybe a Charlotte dirt track. Uh, and I don't know, do they have a dirt track at Charlotte already? Um, but uh, Or is he talking about putting dirt on the Charlotte track like they're doing at Bristol? God, I hope not. <laughs> there's, but a, anyway, there's a dirt um, track. There's a dirt track right across from Charlotte Motor Speedway, like okay, directly across the street. Okay, so that's perfect. So maybe something like that. Uh, they did it out at Eldora, and I thought I thought those races were good. I look forward to the Eldora races every year. Um, and uh, so anyway, those were those were some of the other um, thoughts that Jay had. Uh, that I hope I represented him well on. So, Jay, or no, Jay can't have the last thought. I guess we'll go to Tommy for the next topic. Well, um, I I wanted to go with, uh, well, I wish kind of Jay was on this one because he had comments in there, too, about it. But I I didn't post the link or anything. But did you guys see on Twitter everybody saying that Martinsville was a bad race? And uh, I was just wondering yeah. if you guys have some comments on that. Okay, Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, Tommy, I'm glad you brought that one up because that's the one I was going to do too um, to close out the show. I actually haven't seen the race yet. I, I recorded it. I'll watch it at some point, probably in the next week or two. Um, Martinsville is my favorite track. It always will be. I, I love short track racing. I think Martinsville is the definition of a classic short track and uh, kind of brings us back to the roots of the sport, right? So that's why it's always, for me, one of the most anticipated races of the year. Uh, I did see a lot of negative criticism, and it seems like from what I read, and, you know, I'm sure the both of you could elaborate more on this having watched it. Um, but just it looked like passing was difficult for some reason. And, you know, I thought going into this race with the ability to shift and, and all that going on that it might actually make for more exciting racing. Apparently that didn't correlate. Um, you know, and, and it, for whatever reason, the three short track races this year – you know, at Phoenix, Richmond, and Martinsville have have struggled for some reason um, with the new car, and I don't know if it's the particular, you know, package that they've got in it or what, but, um, you know, I think there's some things that they can learn and, and try to figure out maybe and make some tweaks to the car, you know, whether it be an aero package thing or, or maybe just, you know, gears, transmissions, different things, tires maybe. You know, one thing we have to consider is that it was cold. The track really wasn't able to take rubber. I think that plays into it. Um, Maybe a different tire compound in the future. So there's going to be ways that they can maybe go back and look and see what can be done differently to encourage passing because obviously that's what makes short track racing great is the ability to pass and, you know, get alongside guys. And, you know, that's what creates those, those good battles that we see oftentimes. But um, yeah, I definitely saw that it, it looked like the racing struggled a bit for some reason. Um, but hopefully they can kind of look at the factors as to why that was and, you know, maybe 
maybe we'll see a better race come fall. Okay. Now, Jay just uh, gave his thoughts on this topic as well, and it kind of reflects kind of the same thing that I was thinking. So uh, this kind of represents both of us. Uh, he says the new car, cold weather, give drivers and teams a, uh, time to learn and adapt. Sometimes one or two drivers hit it and look dominant, don't don't have that knee-jerk reaction. And and I tend to agree with that. I do. I did hear from uh, some of the drivers. Uh, I think it was Blaney, or maybe it was somebody else. I don't know. But one of the drivers, uh, at least, made a comment that it felt like there was an, a bubble, like an air bubble, that was developing between the cars. A little bit of an aero air bubble, if you will, uh, that kind of kept people within a certain distance of the car in front of them. And that's what was making it so hard to pass. And it kind of reminded me of the car of tomorrow, because uh, that was one of the problems that they had with that car, uh, is it was so hard to, to pass people. Uh, but I, I, I kind of agree with Jay. Uh, there was, it, it's not as though there wasn't any passing that was taking place at the track, but it was fewer passes than what we're used to seeing at uh, Martinsville. So I, I agree. We've got to give it some time. It's a brand-new car, uh, but these guys are still learning. And I know we've had short tracks. We've had Phoenix, Richmond, and Martinsville already uh, on the track, so they've had three short tracks to do it. And I don't remember at Phoenix or Richmond they had that aero bubble, or at least nobody seemed to talk about an aero bubble. Uh, that was preventing them from passing. And I'm, I'm thinking we thought people pass. Maybe not as many passers as we've seen in some of the other types of tracks, but I, I think we did see passing at Phoenix and Richmond, but uh, maybe, I, maybe I'm just remembering it incorrectly. I don't know. But um, I, I uh, do think that we just need to give it some time and give these chances, uh, drivers a chance to, to learn the car and maybe the setup that they need in order to avoid that bubble. And, uh, Andy, I think you said it. I think NASCAR, I'm sure, with the volume of comments that were made about it, and even some of the drivers uh, bringing up, for instance, the aero bubble, uh, that NASCAR's looking at uh, what they can do from their end to make that as, uh, these short tracks easier to pass uh, as well. So, uh, we'll see what happens with that. So, Tommy, what are your thoughts? I didn't think it was that bad of a race. Um, yeah, there wasn't very many lead changes. The 24 and 9 car dominated the whole race. Um, that's why I picked Alex Bowman. Uh, it's hard not to pick Hendrick Motorsports or Joe Gibbs Racing when they go to Martinsville because it seems like they seem to win it every year. And, um, but it was cold there, for one thing, like you guys are saying. And I don't really know much about the car stuff. I just – you could just tell that the only way somebody was getting passed was if there was a bumper. And Eric Almarola was a perfect example of that. I mean, he was moving people out of the way all night. Uh, Andy, when you watch the race, you'll see at least two or three times Almarola just absolutely – I don't know how somebody didn't come up to him after the race or – for some of those bump and runs he did. 
Um, and he did them on some, like, uh, and Suarez uh, did it to Elliot or somebody uh, while Suarez was the lap down. Um, he moved Elliot out of the way while Elliot was in the lead. Oh, that was uh, good. <laughs> but, so, I mean, I saw passing, I saw side-by-side racing, and, I mean, it was a Martinsville race. I mean, it was when Clint Boyer won a few years ago, back in, like, 2019, I would say it was about like that race. Not a whole lot of passing. One to two cars dominated the whole race. Uh, But it's still a short track race at Martinsville. Um, It wasn't that bad. I feel like there was just an overreaction on Twitter. I mean, there's people in there talking about shortening the races now, all of them, except for the crown jewels. Uh, just because of how snoozy this race was in Richmond or whatever. I mean, just pump the brakes. It wasn't that bad. Okay. Andy, your wrap, your follow-up? Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree. You know, it's just I, I think that, you know, changes can be made to make the racing better. Um I have seen some of these comments about shortening races. I'm not necessarily against it, but at the same time, I don't know that we need to revamp the entire schedule. The Cup Series, you know, is supposed to be the longer form of racing because it's the top series in NASCAR. So, you know, I'm good with the the, the four and 500-mile races. I don't really have a problem with it. I wouldn't mind seeing some of them shortened a bit. Um, and, and, you know, the fact is they did just that with Martinsville. Martinsville has always been a 500-lap race. This was a 400-lap race. So they've already taken 100 laps off this one. So um, I, I would agree with Tommy. I think the race lengths are ultimately, you know, not that bad. I'm sure some could be tweaked here and there. But I don't think that for one bad race you need to automatically go and cut, you know, 200 miles off all these races either. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, I'm a big advocate for keeping the races uh, the way they are. I'm okay with the 100 laps that they took off at Martinsville, but uh, I don't want to see them doing that across the board. I think it would be a mistake. NASCAR is the premier series for a reason, and endurance uh, for the drivers is part of that. And the strategy that goes along with that endurance is all part of the racing experience at the cup level. So, uh, to me, it would be a mistake to, to wholesale just start cutting out the laps on all these races. Um, and, and I like watching the strategy play out on these longer races. Uh, that's something that I enjoy uh, is watching the, the strategy of, of being able to endure uh, the longer races. So, uh, to me, I guess I'm, I'm in the minority there, but... Uh, I think it's a good thing, and I agree with Tommy. Let's just pump the brakes. Let's not try to revamp NASCAR based off of one race or three races, Uh, especially this year when we've got a brand-new car. Let's give this car a chance and the drivers a chance to kind of adapt to the new car before we start revamping NASCAR um, all the way around. So, Tommy, you get the final word here. And uh, and we'll close out our show. Well, I wish I could have picked William Byron. I I feel like I've picked him every race this season. Um, 
Brian, <laughs> who I've yet to go on Hot Topics with, um, took him away from me. So I took Bowman. Um, I was hoping Bowman would back into another win there. <laughs> but uh, he didn't. But uh, excited for William Byron. <laughs> and it, it kind of stinks that they're that Twitter is talking about shortening races and how Bartonsville was a snooze fest when he won with his mom there after what happened last year. So wish I could have picked him. Brian, please don't pick him next week. Let me get my pick back again. (laughs) Uh, And I want to clean up one other thing too. I'm sure there's a lot of other short or dirt tracks in Charlotte, but there really is one right across the street from Charlotte Motor Speedway. Like, you could walk to it. It's literally right there across the street from it. But I don't know if that's the one Jay was talking about. Because, like I said, Charlotte's a, probably, I think Charlotte is our biggest city than Raleigh or Greensboro. So, um, no, I think yeah, he was I'm talking sure. about the one across the street. But uh, I don't have anything else to add. I just wanted to. For all the Charlotte people out there, I wanted to correct myself because I'm not from Charlotte. Okay. Um, Andy, you started our, our round table. Wrap all right. Uh, for me, it's um, CB14Fan on Twitter. And uh, as always, thankful to be on the show tonight. Certainly enjoyed it. And um, definitely looking forward uh, to Bristol Dirt this coming weekend. Uh, at Since95Fan on Twitter. Um, I feel like I did some retweets uh, here recently, so you can go check those out. But I haven't tweeted anything. Uh, I'm not working on anything, but I'm going to get motivated here soon to write something. Okie doke. All right. And Jay is MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Michael Huseman, I believe, on Facebook. And I don't know where else he is. I think it's Facebook and Instagram. Uh, but uh, and I'm sure he's going to be at a racetrack somewhere this weekend. I don't know exactly where, but uh, I'm sure he'll be out there. Uh, follow him on Twitter or Facebook uh, to know more about that. Uh, I am Van Fleeten Sites on Twitter and Van Fleeten Martin Radio everywhere else, including VanFleetenRacing.com, and we do have our player there uh, for you to listen to the podcast if you weren't able to hear all of us. Uh, live broadcast. We did have uh, some nice interviews with Nick Sanchez from Rev Racing earlier tonight and from David Coley, who is a spotter for Derek Thorne. Uh, it was interesting talking to him, and, and I guess we're going to have him back on in a couple of weeks. So uh, if you didn't, uh, you can go back and listen to his interview tonight in preparation for his uh, reappearance back on our show in a couple of weeks. So uh, this Thursday, we have Roger Caruth uh, coming on board at 9 o'clock Eastern on our previous show. So uh, definitely looking forward to talking to him. He's racing in the Arkham and Art Series this year and uh, also racing some select races in the Xfinity Series. So uh, we will talk to him about that. He's a uh, high-coming driver. Uh, from the Drive for Diversity program. So uh, looking forward to uh, Thursday night's show. Uh, and then Monday night we have Amber Balkane 
coming on board. We'll be talking to her about her Arkham Road series run uh, this season and what she's up to. Uh, and uh, looking forward to talking to her as well. So uh, with that, a big thank you to our fan for racing crew here tonight. Uh, always appreciate what you guys do and always have a lot of fun here uh, on our radio show in the, in the Hot Topic conversation. And also to our listeners for tuning in to hear what we have to say. We appreciate you taking the time uh, to tune in, whether it's on the live broadcast or the podcast. It's appreciated. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, I, too, am looking forward to the weekend of racing out at Bristol Motor Speedway on dirt. So uh, take care, everybody, and uh, we'll talk to you again on Thursday night. We'll call that a wrap, guys. Have a good night. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.